Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. And of course, um, uh, the issue regarding. Actually, very interesting because yesterday's program was uh, part of it was dominated by shoes and children's shoes and not being able to get children's shoes and how quickly kids grow out of shoes, you know, and how people were buying them online and there was a bit of a lottery going on and some supermarkets were selling them off the shelves. Well, they've had a change of heart and it means now that shoe shops will be allowed to sell children's shoes by appointment only. Now, you could be critical about them, but at least they have the cop on in government uh, from Hall Martin down to say we need to revisit different aspects of where we're at. And one of them, of course, was uh, shoe shops. So Hall Martin says that guidance will be published and will relate to children's shoes only, where you can make an appointment and go with your child and the child's foot will be measured and you'll be able to get shoes then that fit your child's shoe size and shoe, I suppose, foot design and shape and by making an appointment for uh, uh, a booking and it's also good for shoe shops because a lot of them are family-run businesses so the examiner pick up on it as well saying children's shoe fitting by appointment not too far away they're also talking about rolling out a register online for vaccines it's a story that makes the front of the sun today let's get the jab done other papers pick up on it like a booking system um, is what they're calling it but there are those then that are abusing it apparently and the front of the mail says an online HSE system used by staff for vaccination is being widely abused by non-healthcare employees there are many loopholes to jump the queue within the HSE apparently uh, and some are saying uh, that uh, they know of at least three people who managed to jump the queue by falsely posing as healthcare workers that there's no need for identification by all accounts. You heard in the news there of a house party. This is a college road house party up around UCC where the guards, uh, you know, fined 30 people at the house party. They gave them on the spot fines of 150 euro uh, and 500 euro to the organisers. Now, it's one, th- one thing giving out the fines is another thing collecting the dosh, but that's the guardy warning. There'll be more of that with regards to fining people particularly over the bank holiday weekend. And the guards are angry then themselves, over, rank and file are angry uh, over the rollout of the vaccine because they have made points in the past uh, that you know they really are uh, frontline workers and should be treated accordingly. And the front page of the Echo says, Guardi angry over vaccine. One of them is quoted as saying, I knew the risks I was taking when I joined the force, but I never believed that my elderly mother or my wife and family would be at risk of having to give their lives because of my job as a guard. So they're calling for changes over the rollout. It's a body blow to them. And if you want an example of how the guards are really on the front line, there's a court report in the Echo today of a guard who had his PPE gear ripped from him by a patient at the Mercy who assaulted the guard and a paramedic who were, dry, who were both trying to help them, or trying to help them, both the guard and the paramedic. And that's what the guards have to deal with, uh, the potentially have to deal with on a, a daily basis. Anyway, um, the Red Tops this morning say that everyone in Ireland will be able to register for this COVID-19 vaccine as soon as it goes live. It's a portal. It'll be, it'll be online. I don't know what you do with people who aren't online because not everybody is, but, but there you go. I mentioned there about the eight weeks to save the summer. Well, that's a warning from Neffet saying, you know, uh, we don't want a Christmas jump or a post Christmas jump um, in the coming weeks. And that, uh, you know, there is a fear that that could happen. That's why the next eight weeks and people's behavior is absolutely critical. Um, Ireland is highly likely otherwise 
to be hit with a fourth wave of COVID-19 if there's an increase in social contact in the coming weeks. They're putting a number of eight weeks on it. Publicans are furious because they're the ones that seem to be left out. No target given for reopening. Not just them, but also restaurants and, and, uh, and, and cafes. But uh, pubs make this morning star in detail and they say that it's an insult not to have a better roadmap for hospitality. Uh, of course, there's 17 million now to be given to boost outside dining. It's a big fund, but I don't think it's half enough, really. Uh, it certainly will help a 17 million euro scheme aimed at developing outdoor dining capacity nationwide. All we need now is a bit of weather. And there are TDs now who are asking for funeral limits to be extended and not stop at 25 at a funeral, but increase it to 50. That story of the Dublin GAA stars made the news at nine o'clock there. And it's a front page story in The Independent today. They held secret dawn training, despite the fact that the COVID rules haven't changed yet. Uh, and they shouldn't be doing that. Um, so that's a front pager together with somebody who took photographs of the, the dawn training as well. France has gone back into lockdown and the holidays are not lost. And if you want evidence of that, they're saying that many companies now and countries are starting to advertise uh, foreign holidays um, with loads and loads of deals now starting to pop up apparently uh, for destinations all across Europe all across Europe, but also America and the Caribbean and areas like that. Portugal, Andorra, America, the Caribbean, uh, Austria, all of them advertising and talking about, uh, you know, what offers they will have available uh, come summer. Papers also talk of the George Floyd trial. I've mentioned this every day this week. The trial is, is going on in America at the moment. Yesterday, there was evidence given by the store cashier. Uh, who served George Floyd that morning before he went out and was murdered. Um, And you remember that was to do with whether or not George Floyd was trying to pay uh, for cigarettes with a fake $20 note. Well, that cashier says he feels guilty over George Floyd's death and feels guilty because that issue inside the shop may have led uh, to George Floyd's death. Apparently, uh, this, uh, this individual by the name of Christopher Martin, young man, 19-year-old. He stopped working in the shop in Minneapolis shortly afterwards because he just didn't feel safe there, he said. Uh, And a light-hearted note then. There's a lovely story of, uh, I think the Welsh have decided to call him Wally the Walrus. He's over in Wales and uh, he's turned into a bit of a tourist attraction. We were hoping he'd hang around the west of Ireland, but he legged it over to Wales and he's a big celebrity over there, according to the Mail. Mind you, not everybody's happy with him, but because since he... He moved to his new home. He's already capsized a dinghy and tried to raid a fishing boat for fish. So he's a clever walrus, nonetheless. The papers also talk today of uh, issues involving publicans. And there's one publican who has revealed that, you know, you need to be very careful about when the pubs reopen if you put a time limit on the amount of time that people are allowed to drink in their pubs. Uh, Because they talked this morning in the mirror of um, an individual who, by all accounts, sank an elderly man now, sank 45 pints of Guinness in in just under two hours, his time limit, uh, 45 pints of Guinness in his two-hour limit. The Dublin publican, Cyril Stout, says that any time limit on tipplers could lead to carnage when the doors and the pubs open again. Now, the elderly gentleman is an incredible character. He came in on his own. He drank 45 pints of Guinness in under two hours. The publican said it was incredible to watch. Uh, he must have some constitution because there wasn't a kink in his step 
when he got up off the stool to leave. Uh, he could certainly handle his drink. Um, it, there's a fairly lengthy article, but there's other aspects of it here. He said, um, he said that he hovered around the bar counter for a while when he came in first, and we told him he'd have to take a seat at one of the tables. Then we explained to him that he needed to order a substantial meal with his pint, but he said, I just want a packet of crisps or an old packet of peanuts. But eventually he agreed to buy burger and chips. Anyway, needless to say, he pushed the burger and the chips to the other end of the table and began drinking. Very nice man. Uh, couldn't thank of us enough and he tipped away for two hours, drank 45 pints of Guinness. What a bladder he had on him, apparently. 45 pints and two hours drinking it. And he only went to the toilet twice. Guinness Book of Records stuff, that. The Neil Prenderville Show. Anyway, lines open at one 850 text 0868104106. A lot of calls, a lot of texts, and a lot of emails on different topics. I was talking about shoes there earlier on and where you will be able to make an appointment for your for your child, which is a good idea, really, because parents and children are distracted with the shoe sizes at the moment. They just aren't fit. And we heard yesterday of kids going around in slippers or in there, as we used to say years ago, they're bare as. But there was a, there was a very interesting story on Morning Ireland yesterday morning. Uh, one of the broadcasters, I think it was Gavin Jennings, was uh, interviewing Pascal Donoghue um, over the children's shoe question. Uh, and during the interview, um, apparently uh, Gavin Jennings said that uh, Fine Gael had a particular history when it comes to children's shoes. That one comment alone has led to a flurry of activity within Fine Gael, with advisors, some politicians within RTE, so much so that RTE has had to apologise to Pascal Donoghue over the manner in which the children's shoes question was put to him. I, I mean, I just think sometimes we've become so, so fragile as a society. And, and, and I mean, I'm not saying anything about Pascal Donoghue. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't around back in the day. And to those of you that remember, because I do remember Fine Gael at the time under Michael Noonan put VAT on children's shoes. People freaked over it. It led to the collapsing of the government and it led to a general election. But it's all right to, you know, to say something like, you know, Fine Gael is a history when it comes to children's shoes. I don't know why people would take it personally. I mean, in fairness to Pascal, he, he said he, was, he wasn't around then. He wasn't in politics then. But it did happen. It was Fine Gael. And it was part of their party's history now and I suppose you just need to acknowledge it and, and move on but not yesterday I mean it led to all sorts of activity just over the posing of a question makes, makes you as a broadcaster wonder mother of God the way we're going you won't be able to say anything or ask anything anymore in any way shape or form but you guys will and it's always about uh, communication so keep those uh, channels of communication open text 0868104106 pick up the phone what's on your mind 1850104106 Michael good morning you hear me all right? How are you? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, you? all right. Okay, so we, we talk about, uh, yesterday we were talking about teachers, a primary school teacher on the air. Some of them are very annoyed and upset about the change to the rollout. Uh, you wanted to pick up on that, did you? Well, not so much that. It's just, no, but uh, I mean involving teachers for sure. Yeah. Well, and teachers in general, but it's uh, it's primarily secondary. Probably the STI generally, I have an aversion. But um, my mother, let's explain, my mother is 81, has Parkinson's. Uh, we have dementia arriving and the rest of it. And With your mom, is it Parkinson's? And mom. Yeah. And, yeah, and the onset of, of dementia and no date from the GP for, uh, you know, the, the vaccine. Joe Duffy yesterday brought up an interesting point, which I found interesting. There's nearly 450 people here in Ireland over 100 years old. And they're not sure they've all been vaccinated yet because there's problems with the records with the HSE. And he had 96-year-olds, 94-year-olds ringing in, none of them vaccinated. 
And yet for the past two weeks, and it's really ramped up this week, we have teachers demanding to be prioritised to jump the queue, in other words. And it's appalling, Neil, because today being the 1st of April, we are told that on the 12th, all the remaining schools will go back. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And yet if you think about it, the first, second and third years in secondary will go back. And in a month's time, they're off again for three months. Yeah. They're off. And it begs the question, why are teachers being prioritised? I mean, Gardaí, in fairness, we saw there two weeks ago with civil uh, unrest. They're manhandling people. Well, I gave an example there of a court case with a guard and a, a paramedic, um, you know, it's in court because they were, they were assaulted. It's alleged that they were assaulted at the mercy trying to help a patient, you know. Of course, and, and they're dealing with this all the time. And there's no mention of them. I mean, you have the social workers, it's unbelievable. And, 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 and I mean, the supermarket staff, they keep being mentioned. But like, let's be honest. And how does it make you feel then when on top of that, you have 20 teachers who took the Beacon Hospital vaccines? Well, yes, and that's interesting because we have a, an elderly gentleman walks our hill here. I'm overlooking Bantry. And he walks his old dog and we were talking about it. And he, his point was, he said, were you really shocked to hear that a, a CEO would do this? And I said, well, not really. He said, were you shocked to hear that the teachers would actually take it? Correct. And Correct. I said, um, to be honest with you, I'm not. And he made a very good point. He said, if the HSE went to any supermarket in this country, large or small, and they offered 20 vaccines to the staff, he said, I'd like to think that they'd say no, because they know it's wrong. They know they don't deserve it. And then, oh, there's more needy out there. But many of the other teachers within that hostel, that school, came out and said, don't be tarring us all with the same brush. Many of the teachers there were never offered the beacon jab, never and got... That's to, and, that's and, and, and many of them said, and if they had been, they wouldn't have taken it. And what really annoyed them was the teachers who did take the jab never said anything to those that didn't get asked. Yeah, well, I mean, awful. It's you know, awful on a lot of different levels. And what's also appalling is there's three, there's three public, there's, there's three uh, uh, state schools, public schools in a short radius around the hospital. There was actually people in the night, elderly people. I saw two, a man and a woman, and uh, two separate cases. They're elderly and they haven't had it, and they're in the Beacon Hospital. So and your mum's eighty one, and you know that your mum clearly hasn't had a jab. You would know if she, she had, and she. But has she a date for it? No date. The GP is unsure. Uh, he he couldn't. He's not sure of stocks now. That's blown truly, and I don't know how things are turning, but uh, it doesn't seem to be to be changing. And like you cannot have. I, I mean, I'm getting. I'm cynical when it comes to secondary teachers. Anyway, I think they're spoiled. But uh, all it looks to me is, you see, we have to, we have this announcement from the EU that in the first uh, the first week of June we should have this uh, digital passport for those who have had the, the vaccines. And I honestly believe that the teachers are pushing for this so they can end up in Dubai or Hong Kong teaching in the uh, summer. Uh, is that a bit of and a stretch, I'm, Michael? Is that a, bit a stretch? Of... It is a stretch, but listen, it happens. It does. You know it, and I know it. I mean, I don't know why. What makes them feel that they're ahead of other people? And why? Why Mary McCallaghan lost the run for herself two nights ago after Michal made his announcement. She was on prime time. Half the show was about teachers. I switched over into TV3, and Matt Cooper's at it. Teachers. Niall Boyle, and in fairness, he takes no nonsense from them. He's had them. You've had them. Pat Kenny, and yesterday Joe Duffy. So there's a campaign going on. But now it has changed, and it will be it will be age appropriate. Yes, and that's another good point. Like we were the only country, it seems, that didn't go over the age. Like, why? It works. I mean, if you make it clear that anyone over 85, then these 100-year-olds and 90-year-olds would have been done by now. I have no idea why that didn't happen first. You would have thought why? that the, the, the oldest... Like, the oldest are the priority. We've been hearing this for over 12 months. That the because what they've the found now, they've said, is they're changing it to age groups because they were vaccinating way too many young people and, way too, and many of those young people, COVID wouldn't have any impact on their health at all. 
and it was pointless. I don't know if you heard the 9 o'clock news last night, but this lady from the, the, the HSE said that those over 60, which is which I'm close to, and, and you're not far from it, I'd imagine, they are 70 plus times more likely to get it than those under 35. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Teacher I already mean, texting here saying, teachers aren't demanding anything. They are expecting a promise made to them to be honoured. But they're always expecting promises. I mean, they have a union there that's forever on promises. I mean, there's, there's always a promise with the teachers. It just never ends. Like, there's, there's hundreds of professions in this country. And if you go by 2020, honestly, if you went back over the, the, the reels with all the hardships people were going through, you know, you, you couldn't watch your loved ones pass away. You couldn't go to a funeral. Weddings cancelled and rebooked. Yeah, yeah. Young dads unable to go out to see their children being born. And the whole way through, it was teachers. All the way through as teachers, like of all the hundreds of professions here, how, how much time is taken up with the rest of the professions in Ireland on your show, Neil? Like, they take up far too much time. The, the self-importance is just, oh, the hubris is just unreal. I mean, I don't get them at all. I, um, we have too many men at all. We all, I mean, I, I always look back at Indy Kenny. I went up, we went up to Mayo a few, two years ago, and Indy was the top man. He had 40 years on the doll. And uh, you look around, you know, thinking, good God, man, what did you do? And Michal's in the same boat. They, they, they seem to, I don't know what it is with them, but they don't, they have an aversion to infrastructure. It all seems to be money going into salaries and other such things, but I don't know, I, I'm kind of so going Because that. teachers' salaries have not been impacted or their job prospects have not been impacted. They never get impacted, Neil. Yeah, yeah. They never get impacted. And let's be honest, like we have a small business and we were closed the first of the week before Halloween. We had three weeks at Christmas and when this ends, we'll have been, out of seven and a half months, we'll have three weeks working. And I have two and a half grand a month mortgage. I have to pay insurances and we have a contract all the costs like you have to plan the heating. Uh, and no. I'm not alone. I uh, know. You know, there are others in the country. This is the point I'm trying to make. It's time. And of course, there are decent teachers out there. When you meet them, like, no problem. They're great. But you never hear them come on and say to the STI, lads, enough. Enough now. Like, we're well remunerated. We have fantastic pensions. We're, I mean, this thing about 60-year-olds. Let's, let's go back to 60-year-olds over 60s, uh, 70 times more likely. How many teachers today actually work till they're 60? Well, that's why they're rejigging it. That's why they eventually have said, listen, this system is wrong. We need to make it age-appropriate, you know, and go back exactly. to the older I mean, and down through the, through the years. Alicia's exactly. saying, oh, sweet Lord, would you, would you stop Dubai? Are you serious? This is sickening. Does he not have children going to school, relying on a decent education, says Eileen, Eilish? I'm a second to do. I mean, my kids are, uh, went through the toddler, they're at the other side of it. But I mean, look. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's fine for you, but we, 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 we do want our, we, we do want our children educated, don't we? Of course we do. Of course. Yeah. Look and we rely on teachers to do that, don't we? And there's no question in that. But, like, we have the teachers' unions uh, conferences next week now. And if they don't get their way, don't be surprised if you hear some nonsense about the 12th, 12th of April. You won't be surprised. <laughs> well, I understand why you're so angry, because you have skin in the game. Your mother's 81, has Parkinson's and onset dementia, and doesn't even yeah. have a date yet. And we would have thought, many of us, me included, that all of that elderly cohort would have been all done by now. Clearly, it has yeah. not happened. Exactly. And, I mean, and, and aside from those, aside from the elderly at all, there are more deserving than you. You know them and I know them. I mean, there are people here with, like, Bantry's a very good spot. We have, we, we have coaction here, we have the NTDI here, we have a lot of adults here with issues. I'm not sure they've been vaccinated yet, of all ages. There's a hell of a lot of people here still need to be looked at, first of all. Another text here, I'm listening, and I couldn't agree more with what the man is saying right now. Teachers have really showed their true colours in this pandemic. I'm sickened by them, how dare they? Let me put that point, actually, to David, who is himself a teacher. I don't know how much of the conversation he's heard. David, good morning. 
Hi Neil, how are you? Like part of Michael's text here says, teachers more deserving, please tell teachers to shut up. It's never ending. Maybe they just hate work, hate their lives when they're not on long holidays. Enough is enough. Yeah, that that just sounds like a text, Neil, that uh, that, that person has no idea the practicalities of teaching. Um, really? It, really? It's, what's what's difficult? You have, a, you have a screen like every shopkeeper, don't you, at, on the, at the top of the class? It's the same as going to super value. I mean, I watched the thing. I'm, no, I'm interrupting the gentleman, and, and, and forgive me. I saw last week for the olds, they showed what the olds is going to be like for kids. And they had a teacher behind the screen, which was fine, and it's a seat two, two meters away. And then they came out on Monday saying that the kids now have to wear a mask for orals. And you're thinking, why? Like, it's an oral exam. Surely they've got clarity of, of, of vocabulary and such is important. Anyway, let David respond at least. There's nearly 900 students in his school. Go ahead. Yeah, again, Neil, uh, I, I mean, I, firstly, I understand people's frustrations that, um, that you know, teachers, that the teachers are perceived to be complaining again and that we that we should be on the vaccination list. I mean, I mean, essentially, we sh- it's not just teachers, it's, it's frontline workers. And essentially, it's a numbers game. And it's the amount of people you work with who you're, who you're integrating with. I mean, again, as, as I said, Neil, as you mentioned, uh, there's 900 in, in my school. There'll be, come next Monday week, there'll be, again, 30 30 TYs in my classroom Monday morning. I'm actually in the classroom as I speak. They're all back on the 12th, yeah, I know. Yeah. Back on the 12th, yeah. Um, and again, it's it's not so much, you know, again, the, the speaker there mentioned shopkeepers and... It's, yeah, I mean, okay, like that's a very valid point because I have a text where, I'm not sure where it is, but I read it earlier this morning, I'll come back to it later, talking about people working in supermarkets on the tills day in, day out, they would meet and be up close and personal and be touching the same products as hundreds of customers on a daily basis. Teachers couldn't say that. They could. It's, 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 it, I mean, in more, in more schools, Different customers every day, every hour of the day. Absolutely. And schools are no different. It's the mass movement of people that's the issues. I mean, when we're talking about keeping social distance and, and when we're talking about people only meeting other, one other household, that's the issue. It's the mass movement of people. Now, I'm not saying frontline workers, or sorry, super, um, supermarket workers shouldn't be vaccinated. Of course they should be. They should be on the list as well, as well as, as guards, as well as nurses. It's the mass movement of people that's the issue here. And, you know, I know teachers and the unions are voicing their concerns as part of a teaching group. And we're not at all saying that we should be jumping the, the queue ahead of the frontline workers, such as supermarket workers or... Um, are you, are, are, is there any truth in what Michael believes that teachers wanted to get vaccinated fast so that they'd have the summer ahead to do whatever they please? Well, I completely disagree with that, to be honest with you, because, it, again, it's... It's the mass movement of people that we're worried about. It's, again, 900 people in my school. You know, if you go to Gorey, there's going to be 1,500, the biggest secondary school in the country. Most secondary schools have a 1,000 plus. I know that even from Cork as well. Um, Again, it's the school, my own school uh, that I went to, Mayfield Community School. I know there's, yeah, there's 250 students in it, but it's a small space. Again, students are on top of each other. And again, the mass movement of people every 40 minutes. There'll be 900 students plus 70 staff out in the corridors every 40 minutes here in Newbridge. Um, And that goes for the other 800 secondary schools and three and a half thousand primary schools. Now, and I just, and another point there, Neil, when we're talking about, um, again, this mass movement of people, 
you know, students are entitled to go to, go for their lunch at break time. So the students will be, I, I know again from the context of Mayfield, I know the students go up there to Super Value in Mayfield, they go up to the chipper, they go up yeah. to the garages. Yeah. I mean, and again, they are going to your frontline worker in the supermarket and they're bringing that back into the school. So a kid could leave the school, or sorry, could go to school COVID free in the morning and by one o'clock could be passing it on. By, you know, okay, by Michael, just so, see, he's talking about risk, a real credible risk. Which is risk, I know that. And in fairness, like, I, I don't mind teachers getting, it's not that I'm anti-teachers getting vaccines. They're just not enough there. I mean, you know, and by September, we'll all be done when the teachers come back. We'll all be done. You, me, Niall, everyone, hopefully, please God, if the HSC can get going. I mean, that's when hopefully life will begin again. But I mean, you cannot be jumping the gun. It's it's a campaign. It's been going on. It's, it, I'm not alone noticing this, and I'm sure you've noticed it, Niall. They're on every channel. They're on. The, they get they get priority on TV for some reason. I haven't seen a program on RT or TV three about self-employed. They haven't visited any self-employed people and asked them how's your life, how have you done, how are you coping. There's nothing. Mm. And I mean, there, is, there has to be a bit of fairness here. It's going on for years. I mean, the TUI and the INTO in fairness, there's a respect there. It was there when the crash came. They never pushed the government. They were never that aggressive. And then you have the STI that are militant and there's, you know, the, the battle axes say no, like a brigade, you know. Okay. I mean, okay. Alish, mean? Alish uh, jump in. Hello, uh, hi, Neil. How Go are ahead, you? your point. Uh, oh, boy, like, absolutely. Why? When I saw, when I saw that comment morning, tell teachers to shut up, uh, talk about nasty, like, I mean, you know, that is terrible. Um, it's like telling the whole world to shut up. That's a nasty word to use on Facebook, right? Secondly, um, I know teachers, a good few of them, and all through last year, 6 a.m., they'd be up preparing their lessons for 9 a.m. Uh, on Zoom calls all day long, okay, because I've sat with them sometimes. Yes, you know, but lo- loads of other sections of society in the workplace did the very same. I understand that. I don't mind that. Okay, that's fine. I understand. They were obliged to do it to hold on to their job. Obviously, I know that, Neil, but my point is, like, the nasty comments that he's, Michael, that the teachers only want to get vaccinated so they can go to Dubai and earn loads of money. That and is they do it. And bullshit. they do that every That's year. Rubbish. Just kid they do it every year. They go to America, they go everywhere, it's no big deal. Uh, if, well, if listen to me now, Michael. Tax free money, why would you go? That's that not was the issue. Free Excuse me, that was pre-COVID and they're well entitled to do it. And they're not trying to rush the um, vaccine just to get to Dubai because... But can they they not? Why why aren't mechanics on here? Why aren't aren't engineers on the the radio shows? Why why aren't other people on the radio shows always demanding preferential treatment? You said you had two kids, right? And they've gone their ways and all the rest of it and have whatever they're doing. So would you knock their teachers? Or were they good? Some of them, yeah. Were, Some of them. Were they lazy? Or would you say... They were the oh, same as they, they were in my time, to be fair. Very disappointing some, and the good ones you remember. There's good and bad in every in, in every group, and there's no point saying I otherwise. I understand that. But don't the good go on ones Facebook are brilliant, and, and the bad ones should be taken out. Yeah. Don't go on Facebook and tell people to shut up, because that is disgusting and disgraceful and demeaning, okay? Um... Well, when I wrote in the, 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 the mail, when I wrote the, the email to Niall, it probably sounds worse when Niall read it out. And if, I mean... You didn't read it out. I thought I'm saying... I won't apologise. I won't apologise for it because it's endless. I, it's not... I don't, <laughs> I don't expect someone with a mentality like that to apologise no, for anything. I'm well able. I, I live next door to a teacher here. It's not a big deal. I, I mean, we get on. There's no issues. It's um, like, it's, it's forever. What and do you mean I, a mentality like that? If, if he has an opinion that over the past 12 months or so are always the teachers and teachers 
teachers unions are always complaining about something or other. He's entitled to say that. He is not entitled to tell anyone to shut up. Not shut up. I'm not talking about telling somebody to shut up, but to have an opinion <laughs> uh, that it's never ending. He can have his opinion, right? That but it's never ending, that there's always something wrong. That's why I said someone with that mentality would never apologise to anybody. Like you do, you do know that for the vast majority of the private sector, they have no unions to protect them in any way, shape or form, and they live and die on the sword of, econ- of economics only mm-hmm. with regards to their wage, their job, um, whether or not they have a job. Neil, can I make one comment? Can I make one comment, please? Just yeah. to question that. Do you remember Rory Quinn and Mary Hannafin being invited to the conferences? And the screaming and the roaring. I do, yeah, the, I do. Yeah. And the abuse they had to take. And do you remember the guy with the, the horn or the trumpet blowing it in her face? That I do don't remember. Really, take your word for that. Do you remember the night, yeah? The, uh, unbelievable reach. And people sitting at home with their mouths open and their eyes agog, watching teachers abusing being at invited ministers. We saw it year well, after year. Oh, well, that's a sweet statement now. There's over 37,000 no, no, no. teachers in this no, country, so... You saw it, I saw it, we saw it not just once or twice, we saw it. It got to the stage where they were dreading it. Rory Quinn admitted it was the worst part of his job. Let me get some texts on the air on this if you guys don't mind to get other people's opinion. They're well able to tell people to shut up as well, Neil. They're well able to do it. Okay, thank you all. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, David. Thank you, Michael. A lot of texts on this. Text 0868104106. Just one or two ahead of the break. Morning. I work in an extremely busy pharmacy and we have not been vaccinated yet. We've heard nothing about when we will be and when this will happen. Pharmacists have been vaccinated, but only the pharmacist. Can't come on air, is about to start work. Morning, could you ask how many teachers have actually gotten COVID? Most high-risk illness and disease are working from home or they're out sick. Uh, another one here, no other profession is asked to spend hours in a room with dozens of unmasked people. Oh, and maybe try having a bit of respect for teachers for a change, given that you think it's so vital and they put their lives at risk. Bloody teachers moaning again. They're the most entitled shower in Ireland. They are moaning with years. Uh, they hate not getting what they want. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. And bear, bear in mind that Michael is as entitled to his opinion as anyone, probably more, with an 81-year-old mother with Parkinson's and dementia and not even a date down in West Cork. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Private sector should be vaccinated first. Full stop. They pay for politicians. The private sector pays for Gardaí, nurses, hospitals and other things. They're the ones driving and funding the economy, says Paddy, the private sector. Can we not use statistics if an X number of guards have contracted covid and the number is high, surely they should be bumped up the list. Guards, for example, I'm going to the same supermarket every day for the last 12 months. I'm meeting the same cashiers every day. Surely they're encountering more members of the public than a guard on their daily beat. And they don't appear to be contracting it. How much money has been wasted on all of those checkpoints, for example? All you need to do if you want to avoid a checkpoint is travel um, before 7 a.m. and after 7 p.m., I drive nationwide for work. Um, I think if there is any skipping of the vaccine queue, it should be for those who went out to work and are not working from home. It should only be those uh, who are out and all those who clocked in to do a day's work during this time. Teachers are not on this list, so they shouldn't be on the list as they weren't going out to work like everybody else. Uh, well, they will be. Some are, and from the 12th, they will be. What about driving instructors? Uh, we can't do the 12 essential les- lessons, but we can do pre-test lessons for essential workers with a test date. Sitting in the car, as I do as a driving instructor for an hour, 
at least practically shoulder to shoulder with people. And one quick one here. I think those who've been working all this past year should have been vaccinated first. Fair enough. Uh, some people who are on the pup have no choice rather than being at home. But how would it even make sense to vaccinate someone who's been on the dole all their lives rather than someone who's at work all through this pandemic? And so interesting text 0868 106 on that one. I'll stay with the phone lines. So, Timmy, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Bye. I'm well. You wanted to jump in on this like many others do. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to jump in on this uh, regarding the vaccination program and like, regarding the teachers on about getting vaccinated. All the frontline workers that have been out there, right, that, work, that, that, that haven't been at home doing their, their work, that, that they had to work from home, right? I've been working in Musgrave there now in Tremor Road since the start of this pandemic, right? Yeah. And from the start of this pandemic, the company themselves have kept this virus at bay for, for, for the best that they could. And they have still have, they're still doing it. Okay? And we've been in and out of work here constantly since the start of the, since the very start of this happened, which is now. Was it last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We've been working, we've been working since then non-stop all through Easter, all through Christmas. And we have, we have a very busy program out there. You know what I mean? To so get the stuff out to the, like, the super value centers. And, and so on. So when you go to a supermarket, lads, when you go to a supermarket, much of what you see on the shelves in the supermarket has been transported there by the likes of this super cash and carry Musgraves. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, Neil, yeah. 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 And I cannot, I can't, I know there's people out there need to get the vaccine. I know that. It's just totally understandable. Like the people down the line. But we need to be, we, we need to be looked at as well. You know what I mean? Like we're coming home to our families every day of the week. And we're, we're, we're interacting with other people. There's people in and out of this job constantly because it's a busy company, you know? And it's one of the best companies for taking on people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're constantly, we're, like, we're, we're getting this stuff, we're, 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 um, we're cleaning ourselves properly, we're washing our hands, we're keeping our distance, you know what I mean? And since then, we, we've, we've barely had, had an outbreak out in this company. So do you, do you disagree, so with it reverting or changing to age groups first? Would you want, would you prefer that it should stay with frontline workers and essential workers first? Uh, essential workers and say frontline workers, right? And look, I don't want, like for the for the for the old people out there underlying issues, which we, which people have different kind of um, issues on this and the way this uh, this virus has gone, you know. But we, I, I don't know what to believe in. Being honest, you know. Well, what did you make when you heard of twenty teachers who took the Beacon Hospital vaccine? Oh, I think it's, um, well, in that way, it shouldn't have been, it shouldn't have happened, right? In the way, right? We're all equal here in the island. Are they saying this morning, HSE staff, who are not medical staff, um, yeah. uh, are getting vaccinated because they're pretending to be medical staff? Yeah. Neil, I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm private healthcare, right? I'm private healthcare. And, I, and I'm working in frontline, uh, I'm working, well, I'm one of those frontline workers. So I came to my private health care yeah. and I'm not getting vaccinated. No, no. Okay, I mean, once the old people out there are getting health off and like the people out there that are constantly getting up in the morning and going out and interacting with other people. In They're the ones that you should be I mean? prioritized. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Good point. Thank and, you for that. And, 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 and sorry, only, but the old people today, they need to be looked after. They need to be cared for. 
That's all right. I'd love to thank you for that, Timmy. Appreciate it. I'd love to talk with more people who have uh, evidence of elderly people who still have not been vaccinated. I bet you, I bet you'll find a lot of them are in rural areas with small GP practices. But do text on that, particularly with regards to lack of vaccines for the very elderly. I mean, Michael spoke of his 81-year-old mother. He said on Joe Duffy yesterday that we're talking about a 96-year-old who still hadn't been vaccinated. Um, so keep those texts and calls coming. One eight fifty one zero four. 106. Um, and we'll pick it up after the break. Hold on then. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, we're rock on. Very busy. Rachel, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, you wanted to pick up on Michael's point earlier on this morning about the Beacon Hospital teachers, about his mam who's 81, Parkinson's and onset dementia, and the teachers always complaining about something. Yeah, I just, I understand his, his mom is old and needs the vaccine or whatever but at the same time we work with kids who can't wear masks you're an sna is that right yeah yes and they can't wear masks and we are working one-on-one with them which means they're obviously breeding on us and you know whatever else they're doing and we have to work with that and come home to our families and our elderly parents and our elderly grandparents and our kids and do you know of any evidence of any of your colleagues colleagues who tested positive because of that uh, yes. Okay. And I, I just don't think it's very fair to be saying things like that when we're working really hard. And to be honest, there's a lot of us that would actually give our vaccine quicker to the elderly than taking ourselves. And we're actually working so close to kids with these needs. Do you know, so it's not very fair to say these things about teachers when there's teachers with me who are doing the very same thing. Yeah, um, that's true, but it just doesn't make any sense then if you have other sections of society who are going out every day and have been working over the past 12 months, like teachers haven't been working for a lot of it, they've been at home, uh, you know, they also are, people are very annoyed about the fact that many elderly people are still waiting for vaccine appointments. Oh, and, I agree with all that, I agree and, with and, everyone. And, and, and with, with regards to them... I don't know about the average age of teachers, but I would say they would be would be re- much younger than those cohorts that aren't getting vaccinated. People in their eighties and and even even in their nineties, you know, the teachers would be a lot healthier to survive it. You know, oh, that's that's I understand all that, but I don't understand why you come on and and badmouth them when they're trying their best, just like everybody else is. Well, I suppose the twenty teachers who took the Beacon Hospital vaccine haven't helped their cause. You know, did any of them I, refuse it, for instance, and say no? But that's not that's not every school. That was one school. Well, that is true. Yeah, yeah that is true. Uh, you said, I don't understand why it seems to be a competition. What happened to we're all in this together? You do realize that we were never all in this together, really. I don't I just don't understand why people are arguing over it all the time when everybody clearly wants the vaccine and wants to be vaccinated and wants all their family vaccinated but and then just people could just seem to be arguing about it all the time. Okay, okay. You're you're frontline and you're there with kids in secondary school and many of the kids just can't because of their condition wear masks. I understand what you're saying, yeah. And you go home then with a the risk to your family because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Much obliged, Elaine. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Uh, lack of vaccine and your mam has Parkinson's, is that right? Yes, Neil, yeah. Um, she... I'm a teacher I'm a teacher myself and my mother has Parkinson's and yeah, she hasn't been offered the, the vaccine yet. Um, and of course, I'd be like uh, many of your callers that my priority is obviously with my mother and with 
with everyone, in, in fairness now, as a teacher speaking, I don't think we should be put in front of anybody else. Um, I would be the first to say nurses and everybody else on the front line, we should all be equal and we should all get the same opportunity to, to get the vaccine, but I don't think we should be put in front of anybody else. Because didn't, we, didn't that, we hear Neil, that children were no real threat with regards to Neil, COVID? Neil, I think this all comes down to a bigger issue in, in like listening to your show this morning. There's a bigger issue there with with the population in Ireland um, not liking teachers for some reason. And I don't think we should take this as an opportunity to bash teachers because that's what it's sounding like. It's now gone beyond a problem of vaccinating teachers, vaccinating frontline workers. It's now a problem of teachers that people have. And fair enough, they have their opinion on teachers. Fair enough, they don't like some teachers and some teachers are brilliant. That's completely fair enough. But don't take this opportunity of a vaccination. Okay, so this is not about who gets the vaccine when. It's about people's dislike of teachers. It really is, Neil. Why would they have a dislike of teachers? They're using this option because, Neil, <laughs> common sense, because we're getting these holidays that everybody is just jealous about. We didn't ask for these holidays. We signed a CAO form just like everybody else. Everybody else had the opportunity to become anything they wanted. And teachers, yes, of course, there's some teachers that are in it for June, June, July and August and they ruin it for the rest of us. But there's some of us that are in it for the love of teaching and want to teach students. And, and is it true that there is a cohort of teachers who head overseas in the summer to teach? Well, Neil, that's... In, in my um, knowledge, we wouldn't be allowed to unless you're taking a career break and you head off and that's your own opportunity, but we wouldn't be allowed to. Um, you can obviously, I don't know, go, go abroad and work cash in hand, be pre-COVID. Yeah, times, but does, but is, again, I know that it's all pre-COVID, but it's, is that the case that teachers would go overseas? Somebody mentioned Dubai to work for cash yeah, teaching can, a language. I can, only, I can only speak on behalf of myself, Neil. To my knowledge, I wouldn't be allowed to do that because I'd have to take a career break to do that because um, I'm still employed here June, July and August. Um, so no, that that isn't the case. If you are going abroad to Dubai or Abu Dhabi, you'll be taking a career break. But who'd know? You, well, your school would know because you'd have to apply in February for a career break. No, but who would know if you just went and worked for cash or something like that? What? If you work for cash, I don't know if you're able to do that. But No, it's just the teachers um, say, listen, you can't be given out about our wages or our job security because the wage that we get is based on 12 months of the year and it's divided then, you know, accordingly. Well, that's fair enough, but it doesn't entitle them then to head off in the summer when they're still technically being paid by the Irish taxpayer. Absolutely not, Neil, and I wouldn't condone that, and I wouldn't, if that's happening, I'm not aware of it, and I think that's wrong. But a lot of people don't realise, and again, this, I, I didn't ask, you know, for this to happen, but the teaching has so changed over the years, and that's why we're standing up for ourselves more, that I'm sitting beside a colleague who's on more pay than me, just because she got qualified a year ahead of me, um, and now I've been asked to do six years in college with a master's, for or to pay more money to do, to do it, to become a teacher, but then I get less pay at the end of the day. Now, I, you're going to have inundation of people ringing in going poor her getting less pay but when you're putting six years into something that somebody has put three or four years into and you're getting less pay than that person and you're doing equal job it is unfair and we are setting up for ourselves in that but surely the person who's ahead of you with more years experience did you say no, Neil. Like, if you if you we'll were more. qualified, if you know, if you were qualified um, pre two thousand and eleven, you are on more pay than somebody that's post two thousand eleven. So, somebody that you know became qualified oh, in two thousand eleven. Yeah, they changed. Know. They changed everything yeah. in two thousand eleven. Okay. All of this, all of this, you see, Neil, is is. See, I thought it was that somebody who was paid more with more than you would have had more experience and would have been teaching longer than you, and I would have found that acceptable, right? 
Oh, of course I would be inaccessible. Yeah, no, but that's not the case. And that's why the ASTI and the TOI are standing up for teachers with pay. That's the pay inequality that's happening in this country. But isn't it true that teachers are always prattling on about pay? No, Neil. It, it, it's, it, with the recession in 2011, that was where the inequality has reached. Like, no other job sector would stand for that, where there's an inequality of that degree. But wasn't, so haven't the teachers' union been always on and off, on and off, like a dripping tap, threatening industrial what? action, threatening strikes... Yes, Neil, because of that, because I have... Like, none of us, none of us have a seat, nobody else has a seat at the table with government departments to negotiate pays, pay going forward. We don't, the private sector doesn't have any but of that. Neil, in a, in a public sector, if the pay inequality was that unjust, you would have a meeting with government. It's, it's just such an, an injustice. But, I, but we're going off topic. What I'm saying, Neil... No, we aren't actually, because you were saying that people dislike teachers, and I was trying yeah, to come up yeah, with reasons yeah. why... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I just think, Neil, that all this, you know, um, giving, you know, giving people's opinions on, you know, the vaccination with teachers, I do think it's stemming from this, from this, you know, we're getting paid for June, July and August. Yes, because th- that's in our job description. We didn't ask to be off for June, July and August. That's part of our job. Um, and I can guarantee you the majority of t- teachers that are in the job do it for the love of it. And it's those people that are not and that are in it for just June, July and August that are giving us a bad name. And that's the people that they're the type of teachers that people see. Um, and that's, you but, know, that's what they're, but, they're angry but, about. Okay, a good point. And you are saying that you believe that teachers shouldn't be put ahead of anybody else. I, I do, Neil. I do okay. think that everybody vulnerable should be ahead of us, for sure and for certain, yes. Okay, thanks for that. Listen, I don't have time. Thank you, Elaine. I don't have time for Danielle, but I hope she can wait till just after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Emerald Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. And just a few emails, if you don't mind, go back to the phone lines now. And this gives you an, an opportunity to see how some people really are finding it so, so difficult. Um, please don't give out my details. I'm out of work and really struggling with my rent living in the city. My landlord is hassling me constantly for my rent, which I just don't have. I have some, but not all of it. I'm living in fear and I don't want to look at my phone anymore. Uh, listening to Hall yesterday, I can't see the end to this. I'm on the verge of ending it. I can't take any more from a very, very down listener. Don't give out my private details. Um, I don't have them in front of me here, but I would like to have them because I know that there are people who would like to help you in more ways than one. If you talk about being on the verge of ending it, that is not uh, the solution that you want to take. That is not the route you want to go down. So please do come back because if it's money... We can help with that. And certainly, if you need to talk to somebody, we can help with that too. If anyone uh, talking about the amount of people that are not uh, showing up for the vaccines, anyone talking about that? Yeah, I have, have, in fairness, I have heard GPs calling people at the last minute, elderly people, vulnerable people, people who are maybe, you know, down the list a bit. And they're calling them late in the day and saying, I've had no shows, come in quick for a vaccine. So at least they're not being wasted in that way. But there are people not showing up. Uh, anyway, back to the email. I'm related to a frontline worker who's working down the park on Tuesday, as in Pocky Cueve at the, at the centre. On Tuesday, 20% of people didn't even show up. On Wednesday, 25% of people didn't show up. I believe all those people that didn't show up and didn't inform anyone that they weren't going to show up should be put at the bottom of the list. I believe that the staff down there should be busy injecting people as opposed to being on the phone for half the day trying to get the back, trying to get back backup people to come in for a vaccine at short notice. Don't give out my details. I don't want the person to know, or I don't want the person that I know to get into trouble down there. Well, that's alarming. Uh, 20% no-show on Tuesday, 25% 
No show yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. David, good morning. Morning, Neil. You're on about Kim Kardashian there and her freedom of Cork. Kim Kardashian is to be awarded freedom of Cork for promoting the city and county when she was here in 2014. Now, if she flies here, where is she going to land? She's going to land at Cork Airport. <laughs> she wants a private jet because it's not capable of doing transatlantic flights. No, but she wouldn't come over on a big, huge jet. Imagine she'd come over on her own. Yeah, but what I'm trying to do is if she's promoting Cork... It's always promoting it in America. We have no transatlantic flights or the car. Yeah, but we will have again, particularly if she gets the freedom of the city in the autumn. Say when everything starts to open up again, she comes over, gets the freedom of the city, goes back and promotes it all over her social media right. platforms. Yeah, that's grand. But what what kind of jets are going to land here? I don't know. I mean, her private jet, I suppose. Uh, yeah, everyone hasn't got a private jet in America. That's what I'm talking about. No, but then people will be able to come back here later they're this year, and Americans will come back yeah. next year. They will, but they'll fly into Dublin or Shannon. They can't fly into Cork. But it won't matter. They'll come into Dublin and they'll come down to Cork because she'll be promoting how beautiful and wonderful a place Cork is. It's win-win well, for us. Look, you've had McCarthy on the Mr. McCarthy on there several times, right? That is only a heliport outside there. That is not a proper airport. Don't fool yourself. But forget about forget about that. I mean, the whole idea here is to get Kim Kardashian to take the freedom of the city so she'll tell all Americans how brilliant a place it is and they'll all come here and spend their dollars. I know, but my point is they will have to fly into Dublin or Shannon. They cannot fly into Cork. But they will come to Cork then. They'll get on a bus or get a taxi or they'll get a train. Yeah, but my point is why should they have to go to Dublin or Shannon? Well, that's a good point that we should have transatlantic. I understand that. I understand. But maybe if Kim Kardashian gets the freedom of the city and we get so busy with Americans that we will get a transatlantic runway then. Because we won't be able to cope with all of the people who are going to come here. Yeah, but there was a survey done a long time ago, right? 99% of all Americans coming here wanted to come to Cork and Kerry. Yeah. But we couldn't land here. They couldn't fly in here. And um, dish and Lingus, what Dublin did, they moved the hub from Shannon to Dublin because Dublin wasn't getting any... Oh, I know that. But, I mean, this has got to be great news. City Council say the award will help kickstart the Cork economy and boost Cork tourism. Kardashian will promote the award and Cork on her social media platforms. Um, I think it would be a great opportunity to boost tourism on Lisa. It's fantastic if you could get the people to fly in directly to Cork. Well, maybe as a result of this, we'll get a transatlantic uh, runway. I don't think so, but the runways are too short. That's only only a heliport out there. It's only a fully laden... Well, why why don't we get... We have a bit of time now to sort this out ahead of her getting the award for somebody to decide at the DAA to build a transatlantic runway, a longer one, so that Kim Kardashian can land on Leaside. No, no, just get into your head, Royce. Dublin don't want any opposition. The DAA will not extend the runways at Cork Airport. They spent 200 million above the, I don't know what they're they Actually, on. they'll freak out in Dublin when they hear this news. They will be livid with jealousy. Yeah, well, and that's why you won't get it. That, and that, that is all the reason why you won't get an extension to run with. 
All right. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to see the positive in this. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, Danielle, my apologies. Thank you for your patience. You're on the air. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I just wanted to bring a piece of attention. Like, my grandmother's 97 years of age. She still hasn't got her vaccine. Um, she had been sent an invitation by her GP to attend his clinic. But unfortunately, she's housebound. She's in a wheelchair and she wasn't able to. Oh, and we were I told see. that, yeah. um, you know, there'd be like a home team um, distributed Would... to give older people, housebound people, vaccines. That still hasn't happened. So she did get uh, an appointment, but couldn't go because she's she housebound, did. wheelchair bound, yeah. and yeah. just physically couldn't get there. She, no, she couldn't get there, no. And I wonder, yeah. are there many people, elderly people, like your grandmother, who haven't been vaccinated for that reason? But Neil, surely it's a matter of urgency that these people are um, vaccinated and that there's teams, you know, set up and rolled out. To that do there would be automatically a home visit or a GP yeah. could visit, yeah. All the new advertising from the government at the moment is saying all over 85s are vaccinated. They're not, they're not all vaccinated. That's not the truth. Because you know? I heard that, that that was the case. And now they were, they, were, they were dealing with the 70s. They were dealing with people who were at risk and they were dealing with people who had underlying conditions. But here That's we right. are with 80s and 90-year-olds. So are the 80s yeah. and 90-year-olds that aren't vaccinated um, people who literally can't get to a vaccination centre, do you think? Possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. But, you know, like, you know, it's at her age, Neil, it's vital that she's vaccinated. She's actually fought COVID and she's overcome COVID, which is a miracle in itself. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, we can't take the chance that it could happen a second time. But she's she's not in immediate danger if she's had it and recovered, though. Yeah, but at the same time, Neil, you know, they're only going on this idea of, you know, you could be... Uh, okay for three months kind of yeah well you are right there it could be a short term Um, you know she had it in January her three months is coming up now at the moment like you know she's some Um, woman though at 97 to come through it she's amazing she's absolutely incredible yeah she actually broke her hip just in October and she was in the South Infirmary for about two and a half months we got her home just before Christmas Um, and she she got COVID in January thank God she's okay she overcame it Um, but she's just so happy to be allowed be at home, you know. Um, she's got, you know, some home helps that come into her three times a day and uh, her family care for her. Then she's 24-hour care. Um, but her thing is that she just wants to be at home, which is what she's getting at the moment. But the worry is unbelievable, Neil, like that she's not vaccinated yet. And you know? it only takes seconds, you know. It really That's does. It. And we, we've seen ourselves how quickly it did happen her, you know, um, and how easily it can happen. Um, you know, as, as you know, as much as you put all the right things into place with sanitizing and everything, you know, it still can happen and it did happen her. But the vaccine is vital to these people, you it's know. So frustrating. I mean, if I'm to believe the stats that are coming out of Parky Cueve, twenty percent no yeah. show on Tuesday, twenty five percent. One in four just, people who were booked never turned up. Twenty five out yeah, of a hundred. Incredible. You know, uh, family carers like like my, my parents, my aunt, my uncle, they all care for my aunt. Um, you know, they, they would give their right arm, Neil, to have those appointments. And what did they do with the vaccinations? That The, the staff then were really busy. Instead of injecting people, they were on the phone half the day trying to get backup people to come in for the vaccine. Excellent. So in fairness to them, they were on the phones trying to get people to come in. Yep. yep. Because I mean, the people didn't show people up. They're doing their best. They're yes. doing their best. They can't do any more. People don't show up. They're making calls, trying to use them. 
But if you ask me, I don't know, Neil, like my, my point is, you know, they, they've revised this whole rollout now. But where, do, where do people like my grandmother, where, like where, what do they do now? Because they're not being mentioned on this new rollout. Okay, okay. You know? All right. Okay, thanks, Daniel. Let Elaine pick All up right, on the story because hers is very similar to yours. Elaine, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, both parents over 85 and housebound yeah. is the term we use. Yeah. yeah. They are, yeah. Um, I mean, we did phone the GP and they said that they've put the vulnerable people on a list through to the HSE and they're just awaiting on um, on answers. I mean, I, I thought the ambulance service might be involved because they were doing sort of um, testing for uh, bedridden people, but there's nothing. I mean, the GP's getting nothing, we're getting nothing, and they are very vulnerable. But if the GP has it, forgive me if I'm getting this all wrong, can the GP not call with it? I suppose the GP can call with it, but um, I know that he had um, a vaccination day for about 100 or plus people. Um, and that's for people who could turn up at surgery. But the and GPs are paid for every single jab they give. Why can't GPs yeah. just travel and visit their, pa- yeah, I, their patients and give them the jab? I ho- well, I'm, a lot of the time when I phone the surgery, it is absolutely manic. And I suppose, I mean, they do house calls as it is. And um, he hasn't, as far as I know, received um, vaccines for people at home to come and actually do them. So I was under the impression maybe the ambulance service would be getting a list of it, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, so there is there is still an amount of very elderly people who haven't been vaccinated, and it would appear that they are people who can't get to a vaccination centre. Absolutely, they can't. I mean, it's impossible. And then they're saying they're starting a new round. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, my parents are left behind. Okay. And it's it's crazy. I mean, you, you turn up to a house of PPE and like if someone has dementia, that's tougher for them. But, I mean, they take it in the morning. And this is, the, both your parents are in the city. They're not in the rural area no, of Cork. They're in the, in a, small... No, they're in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're very near. And I um, mean that everyone who turns up is wearing full PPE and all doing our best to keep them safe and healthy. And it would be, really, it would take a lot of pressure off. I mean, yes, we're going to still be careful after the vaccine. And do you visit um, and everything? Yeah, I have to because um, there isn't, I mean, this is a, a long weekend now, so this is going to be a nightmare because of coverage. So you will be in doing the work? Part of, yeah, my, myself and my brothers, yeah, and they're oh, fantastic. Yeah. Who also work full time and... They're great. Great to have family yeah. around in times of need. Oh. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you so much. Thanks, Do stay Elaine. in touch. Uh, text 0868104106. Just um, as a by the way, I didn't get to see this actually. Because it came in through my own Instagram page, and unfortunately, I sometimes miss them. Um, but uh, a lovely lady by the name of Breda Hogan um, is 88 this week, and I met her at one of our Supermom events back in 2017. I think we actually met her on her birthday in 2017. And um, Andrea, uh, who's her granddaughter, got in touch with me on my Instagram page to ask, could I wish her a very happy birthday that it would make her day? So my sincerest apologies of missing the right day, Brida, but happy birthday, 88 years young this week. Um, and I've got a lovely photograph of you and I together that Andrea sent me on back at the Supermum event back in 2017. So I hope you're well. Sure you are. And uh, 
and a happy, happy birthday to you. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Very sorry for Michael. Michael was our first call on the air this morning talking about his man. Very sorry for him. His mum should be top of the list. I disagree, though, about his remarks about teachers. My wife is one and has been working very hard since the pandemic. I'm very proud of her. They are very difficult in a very difficult work environment, says Kiran. Morning, retail staff were in direct contact with people. Why aren't they giving, why aren't they giving out constantly? like the teachers and the guards are, says Eileen. Vaccines by age and underlying conditions should be key. And if a teacher falls under underlying conditions, they should get the vaccine. Otherwise, teachers should get on with it like the rest of us and stop giving out. Morning, by the time people stop moaning about who's more important to the next, we'll all be well vaccinated, says Glenn, as in people never stop moaning. Jesus, poor mother, how has this happened? I think it's a great plan. Do all the medically vulnerable first, and I'd be happy to go by age thereafter, says Jackie. Uh, it's not the teachers, guards and SNAs hating working. Guards have to deal with the public and the stupid people breaking COVID since the beginning. Of course, they deserve the vaccine. And teachers and SNAs are working in busy classrooms with children sneezing and coughing and not socially distancing and risking their lives too. I'm sorry now, but I do get Michael is annoyed about his 81-year-old mother. But she's 81. Why is her life any different to someone who is working out in the community every day? While an 81-year-old can stay at home. I'm sick of people saying, oh, teachers don't want to work. Yes, they do. It's way harder working from Zoom, believe me. They never stop work. They were working through from home through all of this. Many, many would prefer to be in the classroom. And one quick one. I'm listening at home. Couldn't agree more with uh, Michael. The teachers have no clue about working with COVID. I've worked the whole way through COVID in a nursing home. My husband has worked the whole way through as well in retail. I'm lucky to have gotten the vaccine through work. My father has a laryngectomy and is still waiting on a date. The system is so unfair. Uh, but I'm one unhappy listener. And those by uh, text to 0868104106. With regards to the elderly, it's prompted a call from an advocate for the elderly for many, many years, the great uh, Paddy O'Brien. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, man. Thanks for much. Not at all. You wanted to jump in on this. Be my guest. I do, yeah. I tell, I was always, I was actually concerned about the amount of people throughout the country who do not have any GP. And it's true, a GP, uh, that's the only contact people are making to get, make appointments to have the vaccination. But, um. I thought everybody um, had a GP. Well, I thought so too, but not not really. No, no, because um, a heading on the echo there by um, Breda Graham, when she investigated the case, the head, she said that over two thousand over seventies will get the vaccine, the vaccine at home. Two thousand, and um, and the situation is just that it's up to the GPs to the contact with the, the people, and there are people in the community who do who do not have who do not have any uh, have a GP. Why don't they? And, um, why is that? I, I, I you know something. It's amazing, but we always tell about elderly, elderly sick people. It's amazing. We still have an awful lot of healthy people out there. Yeah, I know that. I know that during during my forty-five years during the over sixties and interviewing people, I would speak about health problems, and I, I, I used to be amazed at people telling me, "No, no, I was never sick. I was never had a doctor. No, 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 I've not had any medication." So and they haven't needed a doctor, so therefore they're not on anybody's books because they're healthy. Yeah, it's, Exactly, and that's the, I, I highlighted that case, that that situation to uh, uh, Breda Graham, and I said that she worked on it, and, and the Cork and Kerry community. And did she in that article did say that two thousand over seventies in Cork will get a vaccine at home? 
Well, what it said was in big black print, 2,000 over 70s will get the vaccine at home. Because that was, uh, that was the problem. Obviously, they have their own way of finding out how many people are actually... Home and who will make that arrangement then? HSE, and I have a number here. I have a number that said, those who do not have a GP are asked to call COVID Helpland for advice. one 241 And then finally, the HSC said it will make arrangements for anyone in this group who has trouble travelling or cannot leave home to get the vaccine. They can, or they'll organise the transport at that number. Okay, so that could solve the problem, you see, for people who maybe don't have a GP and then the ones yeah. that do have a GP were given a date and a time but couldn't go because they can't leave the home. Like yeah, yeah, but that's really important. I, I mean, we have large numbers of elderly people who are, who are, who are house, housebound, confined indoors from one day to the next. So will the HSE make an arrangement to have them vaccinated in their home then? Exactly, because that, that is the headline that, and the echo at the moment now. Um, we look at the echo on the 20th of March um, and it said, in big black print could not be bigger. 2,000 over 70s will get the vaccine at home. And I'd say that could be a monster. Okay, it could even be Cork. It could even be Cork. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, know. Exactly, but yeah. it's a 1 850 Exactly. Because I'm mean, not people are anxious to get it. I'm getting my own second one out today, please God. And uh, I know that when people get it, they feel get out of confidence. It's um, uh, it's uh, a light at the end of the tunnel for them. I know it isn't the end of the whole episode. You haven't been able virus. to visit with many of the elderly that you would have been. No, no, me. I can't. It's all over the phone, 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 phone. I'm speaking phone. I ring people in nursing homes. I ring people at home. But you know something? It is just awful to hear people talking how sad they are how lonely they are I'm speaking to people now who never were depressed or down but now they're sad and they're lonely yeah. really so what they've gone through a desperate 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 12 months I mean for anyone for anyone even a young man like you now we said to wake in the morning and say to yourself I must stay in this house all day long day in day out day yeah. long one day, two days for 12, 12 months and they were afraid to, afraid to, afraid to go off out and um, it's great. it brings them some little hope give them a bit of confidence that again they can meet their friends and that they can have a cup of tea they can have, sit down have a chat and have talk about the scandal the isolation's been it. very difficult it's, for them yeah. yeah listen it's just often and I speak to people on the phone and their voices I know what their voices you notice voices. the change like don't you I do, Nelly. I know the person but full of life and they'd be bubbly and chat, chat, chat. Now you're drawing the words out of them. You're dragging the words because this, this is an experience no one ever had before in our lives. No one ever. And the young people are complaining. How young people in their 30s, 40s are complaining. But could you imagine people in their 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s? Yeah. Yeah. At home, just lost with no friends. Neighbours are afraid to call to the house. So if there's two of them, if there's a husband and wife who are elderly, it's something. But if they're a widower or a widower, it's, it's most tough. It's something. But like, I, I've been saying since the very beginning, and I, I said in your own programme there on a couple of times in the last 12 months, that people I'm concerned about, really, 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 is the person who's housebound, or are the people who are housebound and living alone. No one to speak to, no one to talk to, no one to speak about how, how bad they're feeling. Yeah. It's desperate, desperate. And people, 
I'm, I'm not a medical man. But I'll try to explain the best. But the best and some of them don't have front gar- front or back gardens. They may no, be in no, terraced no, houses no. or old corporation and, houses. And they don't feel well. And quite honestly, they don't feel well. They feel down with, they don't understand. In fact, what's wrong with them? They're actually depressed. Yeah. They've yeah. depressed for 12 months of it. From 12, from 12 months. Um, I spoke to a lady last week. She said to me, if I was, <laughs> she, she, made, she made light of it. She said, if I was in prison, Inside the cell on my own, I'd have the warden to speak to prison officers to speak to every day. You no, know, it's very sad. Um, More company in a jail, yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah and, and you know, you know, it's just awful, awful. And I would make a very special appeal to people to get numbers. I tried to start off something there recently, a few months ago, and it's called Let- Letter Pals. The old fashioned letter through the letterbox. Yeah, and I got people to write to people in nursing homes. And one elderly lady of 98 years of age said to me, who's in a nursing home, said, to open a letter from someone, the joy and the experience you would have. No doctor would give you medication for that. And that covered the multitude. Isn't that well no said? No doctor yeah. can give you. And I, I was giving the names and addresses to people to write to people, to write to people, to write to people. Because people are suffering, suffering behind doors now. Neighbours are afraid to call. People, they're afraid to open their doors. And I said, I'll say that we, we are going to have a lot of health, uh, mental health problems as a result of this, even at the moment. Mm. People are even afraid to cut their own doctor at the moment. And it's this awful, 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 awful depression. Being locked inside in your own house. I mean, um, I'm not speaking about people who are badly always people where they have everything. They could have a car in the door, some of them. Yeah, yeah. Living on their own, they're just depressed, 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 and, and, no, and nobody to speak to. Well, we're and nearly there. I hope that they can realise that. We nearly, are nearly yeah, there. I, I would still say to neighbours, still knock on the doors, make some conform contact with people, you know, and to say that I'm going to do, I'm going to do something today to combat loneliness, the awful loneliness being experienced by, by elderly people. It, it's just awful and it's desperate. Or even if they're out doing a bit of, you know, and it's safe to do so, have have a chat or just a few words. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. They may ignore you well and good, but they also might be delighted that somebody actually spoke to them. But they would, yeah, but I mean, I, I am hearing about I know, people. I sometimes see elderly people, uh, I don't know whether it's just something I've observed, and they, they seem, they, a lot of them spend a lot longer now in shops chatting with the cashier and That's the right. person. Do you know, right. and, I, and I'm That's watching right. this and I'm saying, that's lovely because clearly they want to have a bit of an old natter. But that's right. And we I should all stand back and wait, you know? I tell you a story I heard some years ago when I spoke about loneliness. And there was um, a, um, a white virgin inspector. He was in high position down at the Palmer Place in the bus office. And this lady would call down about three times a week. And she'd say, what time is the bus going to find a kill take? And after a few weeks, he said to her, he said, you come down every week. And then she'd say to him, she said, I have no one to speak to. Speak to. She wanted to speak to somebody. I know. I mean, I that's, know. The, that's the level of loneliness. And you're right, people are going to places now with shops and delay the, the, with the, um, the person at the tent. Yeah, I've noticed it. Yeah, yeah. And we should and all stand back talk. and be patient and realise what perhaps they want to do. And that is to just to have a exactly. bit of human and, touch and, and, and com- conversation. And elderly, elderly people love and the postman was called, but regrettably the postman can't, can't, stay, can't stay half a day with them. I know. At I know. All, I know. At, at all, you know. It's important to be reminded of these things, Paddy. Thank you so much. It's always lovely talking Thank to you. you. Thanks very much, Neil, indeed. Thank Mind you. yourself. Stay time. safe. The great Paddy O'Brien. Uh, I work in an office in a Cork suburb. Our boss wants us all back on Tuesday next after the bank holiday. I'm very worried about it. There are eight of us in an open plan office. 
where we face to face, back to back, no screens whatsoever. I saw on the news that we are to keep doing our best to avoid a fourth jab, a fourth wave, sorry, for the next eight weeks. Uh, I want to do my part, but I need my job. I'd be interested in what other listeners have gone through. Uh, our boss is judge, jury and executioner, and it's his business. Uh, so he's the HR department in the company as well, uh, as everything else. Don't give out my details. Love the show. Um, if you are going back to work and there's eight of you in an open plan office, uh, you say you're face to face, back to back, no screens whatsoever. Um, I don't know who you could actually raise your objections, your concerns to if he's judge, jury and executioner. But the office needs to be adapted. All open plan offices have to be adapted uh, so that you are not up close and personal in the workplace. I know that that is the case here and I've seen it in many other businesses. And, you know, you, you know, you even see it if, if you watch places where people gather for appointments or whatever. You have one seat and then two or three seats next to you are blocked off. Same thing happens in an office environment, as in this workstation is closed. There would be a sign on it. And then you and your work colleagues would have um, back-to-back, wouldn't be back-to-back. And where you are, anyway, close, there would be a screen between you. And then what you notice, say, around here is that if you leave your desk, there's very few people out uh, at Red, but those that are, uh, when you move from, from your desk, you put a mask on to move around your office area. Uh, and, and that really... I don't know how you're going to get to this if, if there's no talking to your boss. Imagine there's probably an HSC number that you could you could pick up anonymously uh, because that's the kind of standard that your boss must be meeting for you to go back to the workplace, that's for sure. Okay, I will come back to that. I see a huge amount of texts on it and we'll deal with them again between now and midday. But an awful lot of people due to come on air this morning on unrelated covid type stories. And I want to do those as well, if you don't mind. And amongst them is Claire. She's got an interesting story to tell. Claire, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So what I want to understand is here, you were driving the car. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this was on Church Road in Douglas. What what happened? I was just on my way home along Church Road, 3.30-ish on Tuesday. And I noticed that there was a steady stream of traffic travelling, I suppose, under 30 anyway, because you know how busy that road is. It does get busy. And I noticed the cyclist coming out of Douglas Lawn. And I thought that her road position, she was obviously in the centre of the road. She wanted to make a right-hand turn onto Church Road. But I noticed that she was too far out. So I tapped the brake, thinking, and she turned to the right. She saw me. My car's moving. She just sailed out in front of my car. I have never in 25 years of driving a car floored the brake and the clutch like I did that day. She's lucky that this didn't happen 20 years ago because my car is ABS like most cars do these days and that kicked into action. I could feel the car shudder. It stopped as opposed to came to a stop. Oh, the the car was in control. Yeah, the ABS kicked in. I mean, I did what I could. I just couldn't believe that she continued moving in front of a car, which is like a ton. Like, I used to be a cyclist and I know that you you don't have sight with vehicles (laughs) Do you think some cyclists just don't get the rules of the road or safety on our roads? I do. And look, it was a lovely bike. I said it to my son. I mean, I got the fright of my life. Did she know that she nearly got creased? Oh, she said every every vehicle on the road stopped. Everyone could see what had just nearly happened. I could tell from her expression that she was stopped in front, middle, like her wheel of her bike was in the centre of the balance of my car. Oh my God, inches from being hit. Oh, she was one inch. I mean, I couldn't... So if you had hit her then, of course, the perception would be that you knocked down a cyclist. 
Absolutely. That, I mean, it would have been my fault, ultimately, even though she's coming out of Douglas Lawn in front of a moving vehicle. But, you know, car versus bike questions would be asked. I'm Sales right that. out. Yeah. Oh yeah, you were texting or you weren't paying attention or you were speeding or and added to that of course when you jam on the brakes you run the risk of other people rear-ending you, don't you? The car coming towards me stopped. Like everybody could see this because all the cars were travelling very slowly so she's haunted that she didn't do this on the South Link. Did you say anything? Did she say anything? No. No, no, I was in complete and utter shock. I could tell from her expression, I felt sorry for her. She didn't try and kill herself, you know. But she was in the centre of my bonnet. She, and needs, I, to, she needs to wise up. You were saying, because you, you cycle yourself, or at least you did, that you're horrified that people like this are allowed on the road with no knowledge of the ro- rules of the road. Exactly, if she's a road user. And I think there's an awful lot of people, now I'm making an assumption, it was a lovely vintage style, brand new white bike. It was lovely, gorgeous bike. I'm delighted I didn't damage the bike or her. I mean, I the, when the car shuddered and I literally, I stopped, I think there was an inch between my grill and her knee. Um, I think she might have been one of these COVID-19 cyclists, as I'm calling them. Why, are, why do you call them that? An awful lot of people haven't a clue about the rules of the road. And if she's a road user, and I'm a road user, I pay insurance, I pay a motor tax, I did a test, and I don't have penalty points, and I run the risk every time I get behind the wheel of the car of getting a penalty point. Well, also, that, that, that you'd be caught for any kind of damage, wouldn't you? Because the cyclist won't be. Well, had she, had we made contact, she could have cycled off. And I've damaged the bonnet of my car. What am I supposed to do? Jump out of the car and run after her and drag her off? You can't bike? claim off a cyclist, can you? I wouldn't think so, other than a, a civil case. I mean, you don't want to be going down that road. But I just think that I am held to rules as a road user. And I think anybody else, especially cyclists and these new electronic scooters, they think they can go up in the footpath one minute and be on the middle of the south mile the next. It's a wonder we don't hear of more tips, crashes or injuries. Like uh, there was research out earlier in the week that I think the figure was that was it 25% of parents said that they wouldn't feel safe cycling with their children on Cork roads. Something like that, particularly in the city, which can be a bit of a nightmare, actually, as a cyclist. I can concur with people who believe that the city can be a dangerous place with people in cars. They don't always see cyclists. You know, one of the big issues is they open their doors. I do, I understand, and I just feel that because I was a cyclist for 15 years before I got my first car, I felt that it was my responsibility, it was me, and I would be always cautious, and I would be watching for someone to open the door. But you have to as a cyclist, you have to anticipate everything they're doing, cars, you have I don't know, I can't explain it, because she turned to her right, she saw my car, I was moving, she couldn't possibly have thought. I mean, I was thinking, is that girl blind? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. She just failed in front of a moving vehicle. Be wary. Uh, interestingly, somebody says, ah, yeah, don't get started on, uh, you're getting started on the cyclists now. They're nearly worse than the teachers. See, we seem to be bashing an awful lot of sectors of society this morning from teachers to cyclists. <laughs> I just, look, I'm a, a former cyclist. I wouldn't actually cycle anymore. I do think it's too dangerous. Appreciate and that. that particular road 
is too narrow. Like when I, she's lucky for two reasons. I mean, I think her guardian angel was there and so was mine. But when I'm driving and I live in Douglas, so I'm up and down that road every third day. That footpath is only on the left-hand side. And I drive very cautiously because all it takes is for someone to have a stumble and they're out in front of the car. So I'm very aware. I'm defensively driving. And the COVID cyclists are those that got the the bike in the past 12 months, is it? (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And they say, oh, right, I'm off and I've got my little matching helmet now. But I can sail out in front of the last chap. You can't. I looked at the weight of my car yesterday. It's 1.3 (laughs) tonnes. How do you know that? I got my son to Google it. <laughs> you know a lot about cars. You know the weight of it. You know all about your ABS braking system. Well done. You know an awful lot more than I do about cars. <laughs> all right, Claire. Thanks for that. Thank you so much. Oh. Text 0868104106. Incidentally, that text about the person who's worried about going back into the workplace. If an employee is concerned about the conditions of COVID-19 in a workplace setting, you can call the HSA, which is the Health and Safety Authority of Ireland. You can call a number on a confidential basis and report your concerns about going back into that workplace. There are protocols that need to be adhered to by all employers and the HSA will inspect the business. Call 1-890-289-389. All right, so you shouldn't be terribly worried, but call that number if your boss is judge, jury and executioner and isn't making any provisions for you to go back. 1-890-289-389. And off you go. Back to the phone lines we go. John McNamara is uh, in Saudi Arabia. Morning, John. Good morning, uh, Neil. Thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, you're in Dammam, I believe, is it? I'm in Dammam in the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. And uh, I'm listening um, atten- you know, to your debate. And I have been for a while. I list- drop in and out of Red Best Time all the time. Thank you so much. Cork. Okay. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So not a great phone line will be blast on as well. But you want you're you're vaccinated in, at 55 years of age. Is that right? Yes, because vaccination is done on age basis here. Uh, I'm spitting fire when I hear teachers looking to be vaccinated and looking to be made a special case. And I just bear in mind when we were at the height of the cases in January, teachers were sitting uh, at home and. Ordinary workers, be they in supermarkets, be it be they uh, cleaners, be they out and about, were facing uh, the virus. And the teachers, if the cases go high again, closes, teach schools will be closed again. And I also have another point: teachers have a very generous sick leave, um, which ordinary gig economy people don't. And I think it's selfish in the extreme to be looking for vaccination out of order. Now, of course, there are, your other callers have correctly said that there are special cases for vulnerable teachers with vulnerable cases. But it's, it's, it's outrageous in the extreme. And I would love, I would love a 30-year-old teacher to look a 60-year-old shop worker in the eye and say, explain why they should be vaccinated first. Why should a 30-year-old Garda or teacher take priority over a 60-year-old cleaner or supermarket worker? Excellent question. And more important, I had brilliant teachers in Cove. I remember one, they used to go into, uh, I remember one great quote from Dostoevsky, right, that they told us. And it's a very simple quote. It says, I say to the world, go to hell, but I can still have my cup of tea. It was, it's really, it was to describe <laughs> selfishness. I'm accusing teachers of being selfish and unpatriotic in the extreme. 
And I want to just go back to that point. A 30-year-old teacher, say to a 60-year-old, who's been on the front line when we were having thousands of cases, why they should be vaccinated first. So you agree with the government's flip on this to make it age-appropriate as opposed to um, work-appropriate? I would would be a bit strange critic historically of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, but this time I'm a staunch critic of the likes of Sinn Féin. It's It's very simple. Age is fair. Age is fair, and the the, the ordinary people don't have the strength of the TUI, the ASTI, and the INTO to fight their cases. They all have a lot, and it's nothing to do with holidays. It's nothing to do what? with CAO points. It's nothing. It's to do with fairness. No, somebody and said earlier on this morning that this is not about teachers being vaccinated at all. It's a red herring that it's really about people's dislike of teachers for whatever reason, whether it's work or sick pay or holiday time or whatever. Absolute rubbish. My grandfather was a teacher. Uh, my father, many of our family would have worked in the public service. I admire them. Like I can, I can still remember the brilliance of quotes of my teachers in Cove. They were wonderful people. It's nothing to do with begrudgery. I could be a teacher if I want because of my qualifications. No yeah. problem. Yeah. However, it's not. It is very. It's about fairness. And my, I just, it's just, I keep pleased. I want. I would love to sit down uh, in front of a spokeswoman, our man, our spokesperson for the teaching unions, to answer my question. Why, when there were thousands of cases per day, these people were in the trenches for our country. These ordinary workers and the teachers were living in a cosy bubble. How, I go so far to say, how dare they look for special treatment? How dare they? Because they say that they are in a classroom all day with 30 individuals, some of them with special needs who can't wear masks and can't be coaxed to wear masks. And they're up close and personal with them. And no other section of society is doing that like teachers do. They can, if a teacher is so worried, let me go back, by the way. I have a daughter in fifth year back in school. Her school has done, taken measures. There's a zone the, te- the students don't go into. There's huge measures regarding ventilation. And uh, let's go back to, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, like, Dr. Fauci and the, ver- the, the medical and science people. The government are acting on science. The government are acting on medical advice. That they were vaccinating too many people who were young and not at risk like elderly or olders. Yeah, that was the reason for the change. Sorry, Neil. And are you working there all of the time? Yeah, yeah. I've been here uh, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia six years. And they've been very, something very interesting. They have reached out to expatriates who stayed and worked during the crisis. And it's another strong opinion of mine. Is Ireland reaching out to the people, the uh, foreign nurses and doctors who, uh, who have worked and stood with us during the pandemic? Do you know in France, for example, the workers who bravely put their uh, life on the line for the medical, for the healthcare system, have been granted citizenship? Didn't we need that. to take a very long, long look at our country. And our social conscience. Do you, okay, but but do you like it? Do you like it there? It's a tough country. I mean, it's a country that comes in for an awful lot of criticism. Saudi, are you, do you like it? Are you happy there? It's of course. Well, it's me I mean, again. I had to leave for economic reasons, but the Saudi people are superb. They are very, very generous, very family orientated, like ourselves. 
they are reaching out and uh, like ourselves, we can we have changed through the fifty we, t- t- since the, the formation of our state. Saudi is changing dramatically. It's opened up a lot. Um, the, the most difficult thing here is separation from family, and the second. Uh, thing obviously is the climate in the summer it's very 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 severe how do you hack that like, severe heat you just don't go out I guess yeah don't go out but the, we, the rules here protect the people for example you're not allowed work um, under the sun uh, between 11 and 3 if the temperature goes above 50 degrees which it frequently does work has to stop but uh, yeah so it's uh, in the normal circumstances we, you can get home but under the current circumstances, you can't. Yeah, you're confined um, to barracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I understand. Um, it's very, very. They, they, like, I was vaccinated on the basis of my age. I'm uh, not a citizen of the country. And one final point is that the IT system in the health service in Ireland is a mess. The the contact tracing app is a complete and utter mess. There's a very simple app here and if I will tell you, the case rates here in Saudi Arabia are uh, approximately a tenth of what they are in Ireland. And how does the, okay, well that's very low then because we're low here so it must be very low there. But how does the app work? How is it better? For a start, everybody has a PPS number in Ireland. Everybody here has a, either a, a national a citizen number or a, a, a residence number. You download the app. It's a contact tracing app, but it has all your details on it. For it, it is linked to even um, uh, when you come into the country, it'll tell you uh, that it'll categorize you. Um, every, you have to carry your app. I will not get into a shop here without producing my app, without having my temperature read, right? Mm. When you go into the, you scan the QR code and it there's a gathering, I use the word because this is the translation, there's a gathering for each home, each house, each shop, and it'll allow, because you're constantly, the, 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 the app is constantly reading information. I know, but, to, but uh, does that not mean that they, uh, they know way too much about you and your movement all of the time? I'm not worried. Okay, I, I, I'm, so what? Well, at least they're open about it. Yeah, but some people uh, will be very touchy-feely about being overly monitored like that. Well, then, then, they're in the, then they're working in the wrong place. You know, they, they put, let me go the other way around. Hairdressers are open here. Sports centres are open here. Every single shop and restaurant is fully open and trading here and has been since September last. Okay, okay. Now, okay. I tell, I tell people at home who are struggling with, I, my heart goes out to people who have invested their life savings in businesses. And there's a completely, a complete utter failure of uh, this COVID tracking app. I know I put the, I was home for Christmas. I put the app on my phone. I was never contacted by anybody. But did you, uh, did you, did you isolate for the, for the period of time you should? Did I isolate? I went one stage further because it wasn't required at the time. I did a PCR test before I travelled. I did a PCR test when I landed. I did a PCR test five days later before I came out of isolation. I followed strict rules. And nobody contacted you for the period you were home from Saudi? 
Zero. Okay. Zero. Okay. okay, I need to keep um, moving on, John. Do stay in touch, though. I'm out of time for now. We covered an awful lot more ground than perhaps you had planned, and I'm happy to be obliging with uh, putting you on the air. So we're back after 11 on 1850, 104, 106. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. So we've got a lot of dates now in mind, you know, across April and May and perhaps early June. We could be looking at, uh, you know, the relaxing of all sorts of areas of retail. But the publicans still aren't 100% sure. And they were talking yesterday about Ireland having the longest and most severe hospitality lockdown in Europe. And when I say hospitality, I'm talking about traditional pubs, gastro pubs, uh, restaurants and uh, and cafes and what have you. But it's probably fair to say that if Michal Martin is saying that 80% of the adult population will be vaccinated by the end of June, that that's the basis on which you could make a decision that pubs, traditional pubs, would open by the end of June and that from July onwards we would be in a very different situation, being able to travel around being able to go into all retail, not your click and collect or anything kind of like that, or even outdoor dining or what have you, but the whole traditional world that we knew will be back in early July. I'm just throwing that out there as as perhaps a date. Um, oh, can I just say ahead of Easter as well, that today, yesterday, today, and uh, indeed tomorrow, Colm O'Sullivan is dropping Easter eggs to well-deserving Cork charities on behalf of us here at Cork's Red FM. We're just doing our little bit and we're delivering Easter eggs to the likes of Marymount Hospice, Focus Ireland, Cope Foundation, Enable Ireland and Pieta House. I want to say thank you to Supervalue in Ballancolic for supplying us with the Easter eggs and is putting smiles on faces in different charities and um, help centres including Marymount, Focus, Cope, Enable and Pieta House. So well done to to call on that. And morning, my name is Mark. Myself and a group of professional singers are going live on Facebook throughout the day on Easter Sunday in aid of mental health and suicide awareness. And uh, Mark Crosgrove says the music will start at 3 and go on till 11 p.m. These are professional singers. Uh, last time they did it, last year, they raised five and a half grand for the Mercy Hospital. So maybe you could give us a little push uh, during the week to help push mental health. It's very important, as I'm sure you'll agree. And all of the funds this year will go to Pieta House. Happy to do that. Um, and can I just say we're going to put your GoFundMe and your story and indeed um, your uh, Facebook, um, you know, songs and singing on Sunday up on our social media probably done already to let people know where you are when you'll be doing it and what time so that'll be up on Twitter and Facebook and good luck and well done raising money for Pieta House um, all the text in this morning uh, with regards to the freedom of the city and for Kim Kardashian which will make a huge difference in Cork with regards to promoting and driving tourism in from not just America I mean her her social media presence is all over the world I mean she's got millions of people following her so giving her freedom of the city will be great for the economy locally and for tourism. Not everybody agrees. I think it's a disgrace that Kim Kardashian is getting the freedom of the city. If anyone should get it, it should be Michal Martin. He's getting us through this pandemic. This is Ray and John in the van. Another one here. Surely we should pay for her jet over. Uh, Book out the best hotel for her for a week. Close off the city centre when she's here too. We need to pull all the stops out for this one. We could pay for it by adding a bit more to property tax, I believe. 
it would be well worth it. Thank you for those texts. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Big push back then with regards to, uh, you know, teachers or those who should be or shouldn't be prioritized. Um, get your aunties off the radio. It's a disgrace. Uh, I'm sick to death of listening to people bashing school staff. I work in a special school where I'm daily spat at, licked, sneezed and coughed on. Not to mention the hits, punches and kicking and a complete inability to main any, maintain any social distancing in a special school. Morning, I love my job and I do it well. However, listening to some of your listeners this morning makes my blood boil. Uh, let that man come in and work in my job for an hour. It's not June, July or August, Neil. Um, they w- Sorry, I just need to sort that screen. Thank you. It's not June, July and August. They work less than half the year. When you take in weekends, midterms, Christmas holidays and Easter holidays. So let teachers do my job for an hour. Teachers then taking a career break after about five years work. Then they can come back to their jobs. Hilarious. Tired after five years, which is actually only three years with the amount of work they do. You couldn't make this stuff up. And more. Uh, Unbelievable. It has been proven children are no threat. More likely a teacher will get get the COVID from another teacher. It's insulting to others who have worked in shops throughout all of this. Who do the teachers think they are? They are hilarious. They work about 200 days a year, five hours a day, and looking to be vaccinated over people who work proper days and proper hours. Give me a break. And there's loads like this. I so agree with your caller. Teachers are bloody teachers. I'm an ex-teacher who moved profession years ago, but it's embarrassing how self-entitled teachers are. Just put a pin in it. (laughs) I'm quite sure even me reading these texts out will annoy teachers so much so that they'll probably turn me off. Um, Can't come on air, but that man is so right. My nan is over 80 and was told four weeks ago she'll get an appointment for her vaccine. Still hasn't got it. For a country our size, we should be doing an awful lot better than this and have more people vaccinated. Also, thing is, it's not right that the guards haven't been vaccinated when the hospital and care home staff have. I have a lot of respect for teachers, but it's not fair why they should get the vaccine over those that really should be a priority. Um, morning, teachers aren't demanding anything. They are expecting a promise to be made to them and expecting that promise to be honoured. And then the guy who drank 45 pints of Guinness in a two-hour period when the pubs opened last time round and only went to the loo twice... Uh, Complete lies. If someone drank 45 pints of water in two hours, they would most likely die of water intoxication, never mind 45 pints. And another one, Philip says, the thing about 45 pints in two hours just cannot be true. Twice went to the bathroom, give 10 minutes for toilet breaks, and that leaves 110 minutes for 45 pints. At a pint every two minutes and 24 seconds, no one could keep that up for two hours no one. Well, it's what I read in the tabloids this morning, so it is. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just a clarification or a correction, if you will. I was talking about uh, Lisa's story, and hopefully she'll get the rehab and the help that she needs. And she's three months pregnant, living on our streets. And I referred, of course, to the misfortunate loss of life of Leon Kavanaugh, a well loved young man who. Died in Cork last week, and I also referenced his brother Ross. Uh, morning, Neil. This is Leon and Ross Cavanagh's auntie. Leon's brother was not on the streets when he died. He was on his way home when he got an epileptic fit. It was a dark winter, and nobody was around. 
He was there for a while before he was found. This is why he couldn't be saved and he died in hospital. I would just like that to be cleared up. He loved his clothes. His teeth were perils. He loved his life. Epilepsies in the family. I hope you get to read this out and I'm happy to do that. And remember these two wonderful sons and brothers, Leon and Ross Kavanagh. So thank you for getting in touch. Um, I don't know your name, but I do appreciate it all the same because it's important to correct things when they are wrong. Um, I will come back to parental alienation. I know I've been saying I will and I will. Um, and I have a lot to do on that topic with regards to emails, but um, it's just been very busy moving around to, to different stories. And one of them actually is something that I did on the air the, last week. And that was with everything that's been going on, with regards to COVID and the shutting down of the economy and unbelievable restrictions when it comes to healthcare and appointments. And uh, do you remember we, we spoke with people who were in terrible pain, who not only weren't getting help with regards to surgery, a lot of the time it might be bone on bone. It could have been hip issues. It could have been knees. It could have been body parts and, and just awful pain. So not only are they getting appointments for surgery and some went overseas to Eastern Europe to get hips done, for God's sake, it's so bad in this country in many areas. But many others then were, were not even getting pain management appointments. So they weren't even getting an appointment to meet somebody to come up with some sort of a protocol to deal with pain. And I spoke to callers who were waiting years and years for hospital appointments and living with pain day in and day out. Um, and while talking about that, it prompted a call. It prompted a call from David. Morning to you. Morning, Neil. Your call uh, was prompted by um, two calls that we had earlier in the week with from John and from Billy, both living. Um, unforgivably, really, that anybody would go through what they're going through. Uh, unbelievable pain, yep. chronic pain. Yep. Are you in a similar situation? Yes, um, I'm in similar situations. Um, I've been on pain management waiting list since August um, 2018. Four years, nearly. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, that's the only, contact, the only contact I've had from them is letter saying, do you wish to remain on the list? And then you have to fill it out in the back. That's the only contact I've had. No, no updates regarding the time scale or when you might no. get an appointment? Just, like, do you want to stay on hold? I did not, I've had no updates or anything. Nothing. That's just, it's just a case of just still wanting to be on the list. Yeah. I mean, it said the, the, it said in the notes that you're four years this summer waiting for pain management. Would that be right? That's right, yes. And where, where is the pain and how bad is it? Lower back. I have disc disease, chronic disc disease. Um, I have sensory deficits in my right leg. As in you can't feel, no? Uh, feeling in it is limited. Um, I couldn't tell the difference if something sharp or soft was rubbing down my leg. I couldn't tell you if it was sharp or soft. Are you in um, pain? Are you in pain now? Uh, yes, I am. On a scale um, of say, on a scale of one to ten, what kind of pain? Uh, well, it's just pain quite a lot. Um, I say at its worst. Nine, ten. I've had occasions where I can't walk. Biggest shock I ever got was one morning I just went to get out of the bed and my legs just went under me. I couldn't actually feel. I had no reflexes whatsoever in my right leg. I couldn't walk. Um, my house has since been converted. I now have a stair lift and my bathroom has been converted to, to a disabled so I can actually use the shower. How old are um, you? 
and 50. And how did this come about? Was this a gradual thing, the lumbar issues, the back pain? Um, yeah, I had difficulty when I could in early age. I was diagnosed with adolescent back syndrome growing up. Um, but I've worked, I've had full-time jobs uh, for years. Um, there weren't the main reason why I'm now classed as disabled, which is a label I hate. Yeah. I've had to use walking aids. Um, and this recently I discovered that it's, it's now in my neck as well and I have excruciating pain down from my neck down my right arm so we have so uh, many people in Ireland in yeah. 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 pain that are yeah. 2 years 3 years or coming summer you are 4 years not for any yeah. kind of surgery you're waiting for it's just for a, an appointment for pain management how, how do you deal with the pain then what medications are you on uh I have Plexia, uh, Targan, there are different painkillers that I use. So prescription painkillers? Yeah. No, I don't always take them because I just, I don't like them. Why? Like the effect they can have on you. What, what effect do they have? Uh, they can make you just drowsy, dopey. I don't like that. I don't like that sensation. I think the worst part of it, to be honest, is, is the mental part of it. It is the depression that goes with it. Yeah. Um, that's the bit that actually drives me that's the bit that gets me most the depression so, the depression is related to the fact that today will yeah. be the very same as yesterday and tomorrow will be the same as today no, so, some days can be good some days can be bad I mean back at the moment uh, fingers crossed doesn't feel too bad but I have it in my neck um, and that is absolutely horrendous I actually wear a collar for four or five hours a day just to take the pressure off my neck. And that does help better than painkillers. Are you housebound? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm housebound. Uh, at times, I could be housebound. I don't get out as often as I'd like to. Because movement hurts. Yeah, and I use walking aids, and I hate, um, I hate then when people... You, you, you're almost defined by your disability. And I feel at my age, that's... Ridiculous. You're only 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, cer you certainly have a life full of challenges because I think there were issues with your with cataracts in your eye. I think there were 20 surgeries. Um, you described yeah. uh, to Brenda that you had many other illnesses, including sleep apnea. Yeah. So you've had any sense of 20 surgeries. So I've had kidney removed. I've had detached retina right eye, holes in the left eye. Uh, triple heart bypass. Um, triple heart bypass? Yeah. I was 43. Good God. Yeah, but the odd thing about that was I had the uh, heart attack in October 2012. It wasn't told until January 13th that I had a heart attack. Can't imagine why that was. Uh, I can't either. I can't either. I've sent home and told I just had a chest infection. Um, the cataract, I lost my eye. Why did you lose your eye? Why wasn't the cataract treated? Um, so I lost my central vision. I had the peripheral vision, which was quite good. But then in, it was what, March 2018, I noticed that it wasn't what it used to be. So I made an appointment. I went to a local optician. And she said, you have a very dense cataract in your eye. And she said, if you experience any floaters or flashing, you need to go to an E 
she did was refer a letter from a doctor. The cataract led to you going blind in the eye, was it? It led to the, the, the cataract suffocating the eye and blowing the pupil. So have you only sight in one eye? I've only got one eye now. Or was the other one was operated and taken out? It was taken out in November last year. How do you... I mean, I can understand why you talk of depression. I mean, it must get just too much. Um, well, I'm lucky. I would consider myself lucky. Look, I have a roof over my head, I have food in my belly, I have an amazing family, an amazing wife, you know. Um, so in that sense, I would consider myself very lucky. My family have been amazingly supportive and have actually ended up bearing the brunt of the financial cost because I had to go private that everything done with the eye. So um, really, the health system... Uh, okay, I mean, you've had lots of different operations and surgery and you've had the... Was it a triple bypass and things like that? But yep. managing your pain or sorting out your back has not been done at all. No. Did I you? had one appointment with a neurosurgeon. That was it. And he referred me straight to pain management and I haven't seen anybody since. And the waiting list is for the pain management and probably a longer waiting list. I mean... Is your lumbar and your back pain fixable by surgery? I don't, um, I don't know. Because you don't know whether it would be an option to travel overseas, or are you, are you fit enough to travel? No, um, any sort of uh, care journey leaves me in a lot of pain. My God. Have you tried to manage the pain by, say, you know, non-prescription routes? Say, like, did you ever think of cannabis? Yes, I thought about it, but that actually came up actually when I was dealing with the eye. And that did work uh, temporarily on the eye, but I just didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, so I just didn't want to go down that route. Did you try anything, any other alternative types? No. At one stage, I was on over 104 tablets a week, and that's excluding pain medication, eye drops, and eye medications. That's incredible. That's an incredible amount of medication, isn't it? So, do you, do you look... I mean, you're only 50. Do you look to the future and the second half of your life? No. No. Just take the day at a time. I don't feel sorry for myself. No, but you have every right, right? to. But no. if you keep feeling sorry for yourself, you're just going to make yourself more depressed. Did Tell you? me about the sleeping. How, how, how does that work out for you? I had to stop using my CPAP machine because of the eye, because it wasn't, um, I couldn't wear a mask because of the pressure. But don't you stop breathing now when you sleep? Yeah, about 36 times an hour. Does that wake you then, the uh, the shock? Yeah, it does, or sometimes my wife wakes me. <laughs> I'd, say ne- I'd say neither of you are getting a full night's sleep then, no? Oh, I can't remember the last time I had a full night's sleep. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, because, I mean, sometimes it's like I put my head, when, I had, when the eyes were just like I put my head in my pillow my eye would start and that was that was it that was no sleep or if I did fall asleep then you'd wake up the following morning with horrendous pain in the eye anyway and what, which would last three or four hours yeah. is it not disrespectful to be left on waiting lists for pain management and a longer waiting list for potential surgery I mean I think yeah I think it's Ridiculous. I think, that, to be honest, my opinion on the HSC is it's not fit for purpose. It's top heavy with administration where most of the money goes. I mean, the people who actually need the help won't get it. I mean, there used to be no one saying that your health was your wealth. Yeah. To be honest, money is your health. No. Because money will buy you the care you need. Yeah, I know. I know. You know? It makes a difference no matter what people say. It does. 
bus bus in Paris. I mean, I have young kids and I have a young grandson, you know, um, I want to see them grow up. Yeah, and you want to have you want to have a more active part in their lives too, don't you? I'd love to. Yeah, rather than just dealing with pain, pain, pain. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to. The, I make most of the good days, you know. Um, I mean, on a good day, I'll drag over around the house and you know do something. Is today <laughs> just, just finally is today a good day or a bad day? Uh, Nick is killing me. Killing you. Nick is killing me today. Uh, uh, it's just the pain down the arm is just absolutely horrendous. I mean, I don't know whether I'm imagining it or not, but I, I can sense your, I can feel as if you're in pain. My conversation with you. I am in pain, but it won't stop me living as much as I can. Because you can't, you can't sit down and wait for the world. You have to go do your own thing. You know, as much as it hurts, you have to make the best of what you have. I know, no, but there's I, no point. I, I don't. I, no point for me sitting down wishing. Just wishing more come true. You just, I mean, better off doing than waiting. One of the lads that I was talking to with dreadful, dreadful pain is suicidal a lot of the time. Have you had that kind of tendency at all? It crosses. Yeah, it has. It has crossed my mind that that's. Cause, I mean, the last thing you want to be is a burden on anybody. And that's what you, you, you can go through phases of feeling like you're a burden. Not the life I wanted for my wife or my children. No, it wasn't the plan. Yeah, yeah I know. But then you dust yourself down, you think of the positives, and yep. as you said yourself, the lucky things and, the, you know, the good things in your life, and you just struggle on. Yeah, you have to, I mean, I have to, I mean, I've three of my children have ASD. Oh man, you um, certainly have challenges then, yeah. 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 Yeah, and they're all different, you know, but it's challenging. And in a lot of ways, that keeps my mind occupied <laughs> as well. Well, you've probably, but, um, you've probably been told it before, but I certainly admire your bravery and your resilience and your strength, in fairness to you. Really and truly. I don't see it as bravery well, or resilience, I just see it as something you have to do, because there's no point in me. I mean, if I give up, I might as well just go to the backyard and dig a hole and throw myself into it. I know, I know. No, there's no point. Uh, once achieve anything, and the damage that would do to my wife and kids would be... It's a guilt I wouldn't like to have. Would you be okay with me sending on this audio to the HSC like I've done with, say, John and, and Billy? Yeah, no problem. Okay. No problem. Do you, no. Do you mind if we, if we maybe stay in touch with you to see if things improve? Do uh, I'd um, that that be be nice to see how things go actually go because I'm actually waiting on an MRI for my neck as well. Okay, Let, let's I do mean, that. Let's do that. I mean, my my family have actually um for the financial cost of most of what I've gone through. I mean, because this, otherwise, this is so was, unacceptable for a country. To treat, yeah, a, to treat its citizens like that, to need a whip round to get medical attention. My yeah, God, why are we paying taxes? Why do we pay into this country? Well, this is how people are treated. I'd love to be able to go to work in the morning and come home tired at night. Of course you would. We, we just want you to be without pain and leading a happy, normal life. These are things I would like to do. But these are things I know I will never do again. It's a disgrace. It's disgusting. But 
it is a disgrace the way the system is going and the way I see it is just people out there who are worse off than me I know fair play to you fair play we'll stay in touch alright look after yourself for now please Neil you too thanks very much all the best cheers all the best Neil Living with pain, living with pain, day in, day out, 24-7, even not being able to sleep at night when the rest of us are sleeping no bother with our seven or eight or nine hours, those of us that are lucky enough to get that. Rachel, his wife, his partner was in touch. She said, thanks so much for having David on air. I had surgery last Thursday, she said, and David has been fantastic. We've gotten so much help from our three children, Clayton, Kean, and our daughter, Tyler Rose, who was six only a few days ago. They really have been amazing. And also my stepdaughter, Catherine, and partner, and my sister-in-law, Marion, who stepped in to support and to lend our family a hand. I have a truly amazing family and will be lost without them. I love each and every one of them so, so much. Thanks, guys. And that's from David's partner, Rachel, who gave us a text. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Perhaps David should consider taking uh, cannabis as a method of pain management. Neil, the system is letting him down massively and his pain is needless. It's awful to hear. His pain is needless. Um, pass on that thought with regards to cannabis. I think he did try CBD oil. Uh, I don't think it suited him, he said. As well as people not having pain management for years, someone that gets diagnosed with a chronic illness that was inherited and can be cured are the same uh, for, are the same for seeing a counsellor. Uh, nearly five years waiting and still on a list. Um, there are many different lists, not just with regards to pain management, but just being sick in this country. Uh, a lot of other texts on different topics, um, particularly Noreen and Morn Abbey, who says the people just love to whinge. Um, you and I were listening to the same speech that Michal Martin gave when he outlined a clear plan going forward and gave clear reasons why the plan was the way it was. People just love to whinge. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I think he, I think he's better. And I think he was better, actually doing that piece to camera than he's been with any of the other ones. I don't know whether he's been coached or whatever. You know, he was tighter, he was sharper, he was more to the point and he just ploughed through it an awful lot faster and seemed to be a lot more confident in what he was saying. Mind you, not everybody's happy with it, particularly those in hospitality. Uh, talking about our cityscape and the changing face of Cork City, a few texts on that. There are no toilets anywhere in the city. We spoke about this yesterday and often in the past. I saw a woman urinating on Patrick Street this week. What is the plan with regards to public toilets and city council. And an interesting one from Deirdre, what I would like to know is, uh, why are the city council not out power hosing the streets and getting ready for reopening like ever, every other country in Europe? It's pathetic. Our streets are filthy. And to my knowledge, uh, I thought that is what city council is about, keeping Cork clean. And then I got into a lot of grief with people who are driving dereg cars in Cork. Uh, <laughs> You know, that people might be looking at them suspiciously in their D-Reg car, but they live in Cork with a D-Reg car. I drive a D-Reg, but I'm not living in Cork City. My son lives in Mizzenhead. So should I not travel to see him and my three grandchildren when we're allowed to travel because I have a D-Reg car, says Marie? I understand. I'll take it under advisement. And lots on shoes then. That, of course, has changed since yesterday's program, and you can now do uh, an appointment in advance with the shoe shop and the podiatrist, I suppose, and anybody else involved in fitting out your kids' uh, shoes because uh, that law has been changed and now you can go uh, soon when it's, uh, I don't know what date they've come up with, I hope it's fairly fast, where you can go and uh, get your child's shoes size measured. Children's shoe section in Duns was opened all along and that's totally unfair that the shoe shops couldn't do the same. Uh, my child has a club foot and needs wider shoes, so my girlfriend 
bought the same shoe measuring device they have in the shoe shops. She got it from Clark's for about 20 euro. We sent a picture of my son's foot to a friend who works in Next. And twice over the last six months, she sent out perfect shoes for him. I hope this helps. My God, I only read that as, a, as an illustration of the lengths that people have had to go to. Um, I can walk into Tesco. I can walk into Dunn's. I can buy running leggings for adults. Surely kids' footwear can be got as a priority. Feel sorry for the lady and her business, but to make it sound like half the kids in Cork go around with no shoes, Neil, is a bit much. All they have to do is go to Dunn's or Tesco. And my daughter has autism. She has sensory issues with her feet. When we go shoe shopping, it takes a long time to find shoes that feel comfortable. We would try on 15 pairs at least. She had a growth spurt recently and her old shoes are getting a bit too small quite quickly. I hope we can make it to when the shops open. Well, hopefully we'll come as some consolation relief, Anne-Marie, that you'll be able to book an appointment for a fitting and shoes because they reverse that. Surely there's an opportunity to put together a playlist for the vaccination centres, music that they could play as people have been vaccinated. Freedom by George Michael, Free Falling by Tom Petty, Please Release Me, Let Me Go be Engelbert Humperdinck to start you off. Um, thank you for that. The private sector should be vaccinated first. They pay for politicians. They pay for Gardaí, nurses, hospitals and other things. They're the ones driving the bus and funding the economy, says Paddy, the private sector. Um, and there's many texts then on reopening. I just want to clarify after last week's conversations. Are mobile home parks allowed to open under the new guidelines? Well, if you're asking the question... Will mobile home parks be able to open on April 12th? The answer to that is no. Can you tell me what's the point of opening the county? For example, someone drives from Yall to Castletown Bear, looks at the trawlers and turns around and goes home because there's nowhere for them to go, eat or stay. Open the country, for God's sake. Um, Even do it in regionalised county-by-county areas. Okay, well, that would mean that down here we'd be able to go to Waterford, we'd be able to go to Tip, we'd be able to go to Kerry and... Limerick. Apparently there isn't an apartment to be got in Killarney this weekend. They're all booked up. Don't mobile home parks and caravan parks fall under hospitality so it'll be June at the earliest for opening. It's so vague as they are so different from hotels and B&Bs but they still fall under the same category. No. uh, Mobile home parks and caravan parks will not open on the 12th of April. There'll be a bit of a wait uh, for that. I imagine that will fall under probably hotels and guest houses at the earliest, wouldn't they? If anyone's thinking of sticking to the current rules, they need to wake up and have a look around them. The government is saying you can meet another household outdoors, but not indoors or garden meetings. Uh, Where are their heads stuck up with regards to that? Uh, It's my personal opinion, and I just want you to read this out. I really don't care about pubs and restaurants, as I don't visit them often. It's the same with takeaway, just once a month. The rest is groceries from stores and cooking at home. I haven't eaten out in more than a year, and I do not miss it at all. What I miss is traveling. It's all I need to go everywhere I need and uh, want. Please, please, I just want to travel. Open the borders. Thank you for those, and there's many more like that, and also a lot then on... um, I would I would sum it up as some people would say teachers would say it's teacher bashing um, and I will come back to that but it's others then that would say that it's only talking about teachers who want a priority that they don't feel the general public don't feel they need or deserve not any of them anyway but let me go back to the phone lines James good morning good morning to you we had a caller on the air earlier on talking enjoying it totally 
Thank you. Well, we were talking earlier with a chap who's living, Corkman from yes. Cove, who's living and working in Saudi, and you wanted to pick up on that. Yes, and just one other small thing there, just to as I digress for a second. Very disappointing, Neil, to hear that 20 or 25% of people didn't turn, didn't turn up at Parky Keeve. Yeah, uh, 25% I mean, no-show, they're saying, at Parky Keeve. That's yes. very disappointing, Neil. I mean, we're the vaccination, we want to get free, and everybody wants to get free, so vaccination is the only game in town, Neil. But I will so, say that the staff down there then were busy on the phones yesterday trying to get people to come in who needed a vaccine at short notice so they were hoping not to waste them Ah oh, yes I'd love to run down myself I can tell you and take it <laughs> Alright Okay But anyway to get back to that gentleman Neil that was talking about Saudi Arabia and waxing lyrical about it I wouldn't live there Neil if I even if I I mean I wouldn't live there now because I'm elderly but if I was 40 years younger it's a brutal regime Neil But there are Irish people living there particularly young people who are over there teaching and working and doing um, uh, working in creches and uh, Yes well oh, 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 you want to be careful there because you can't speak out against the regime you know as I said earlier on to Brendan that she reminds me of his name Khashoggi the Jamal Khashoggi yeah he went into uh, didn't he go into and the embassy came out the back door in his suitcase yeah when he was dismembered inside in the embassy at the approval of the regime uh, he went into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul to renew his passport but he was lured into a trap yeah yes yes and uh, uh, also you, there would be no radio station like this in uh, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, Neil wouldn't be allowed you, here thank God we live in a country where you can come on the radio station you can lampoon Michal Martin you can lampoon Leo Vadka and Mary Lou MacDonald and there'll be no repercussions you wouldn't dare criticise well for really. now no but for now yeah but the world is changing very quick and what you can say about people so you know see yeah, Archie having not, to apologise you wouldn't be allowed to do anything like that the, your, your station wouldn't be allowed there well, what, do we, what do we know about Saudi that's so bad? Brutal uh, Muslim regimes are very brutal, Neil. Uh, you take what's happening in with the Sheikh Maktoum and his daughter, Neil, who's terrified of him, and uh, all his children are terrified of him, Neil. Uh, you know, Mary Robinson got involved, probably shouldn't have for her own sake, but uh, his daughter is terrified of him. And uh, <clears throat> that is the regime. They're not Christian people, they're Muslims, and that's the kind of regime you will get there, Neil. Uh, also, as you know, in Indonesia, another populous Muslim country, you daren't come out there and be gay because you would be publicly lashed outside the mosque on a Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. That's regular occurrence. You'll be arrested, but not by the normal police. But yeah, but we 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 go to Russia and they have um, uh, very 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 very. Um, harsh treatment of gay people in Russia, for instance. Oh, yes, yes, uh, Mr. Putin. You you would try to oppose Mr. Putin like Mr. Navalny and you get poisoned and you get put into prison. Uh, as you know, there's an Irish journalist now coming home from China. China. You heard that, Neil, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. Emer yeah. Murray, because she's been threatened there by the police. And uh, these are terrible, terrible didn't her, her husband also you know, is a journalist. How, and didn't how wonderful he... it is to be living here in this wonderful country. And I wonder, city. there are upsides to freedom, all right. Her husband actually is a BBC journalist, and apparently he did some exposés on the BBC about slave labour in the northern provinces of China, particularly with the cotton pickers. Oh, and right. the Chinese did not like what he was reporting. Oh, no, no. The, the, she, they started she, following she, him. They started harassing him. That's the backstory to the China one. She doesn't um, feel safe there anymore, Neil. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's why I just still think, saying like we should be kind of really happy that we're living where we are, Neil, and under this we have this kind of freedom to to um, go about our business and criticise wh- whoever we like in in government. 
And uh, Amnesty International released 10 ways that Saudi Arabia violates human rights. Torture is used as a punishment. Executions are on the increase. There's no free speech, no protests allowed. Women are widely discriminated against. Torture in police custody is common. You can be detained and arrested with no good reason. And rig- religious discrimination is rife. And of course, as you know, up to very recently, as I said to Brenda, Brenda earlier on, if Brenda was living in Saudi Arabia, she wouldn't be allowed to drive a car. Yes, but they are changing and they're changing fairly fast in defense of the, the system there. It is getting better. Oh, well, they have to. I suppose it's really international pressure, Neil. Food will come on them, of course, and they have to worry about tourism and that kind of thing. Okay. But uh, okay. no, I, I rather, I, as I said, I, that's a man's choice to live there. But And also, of course, 50 degrees centigrade, no, Neil. Couldn't live under that, I'm afraid. All right, pal, do stay in touch. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam approved the operation that led to the brutal murder of the journalist Jamal Khashoggi in 2018, according to a declassified report released by the Biden Presidential Administration Department. They say that his murder was approved uh, by uh, the Saudi Crown Prince. It was awful. I mean, awful. I mean, I won't even go into the details of what they did to that poor man and to his body. It's just too horrific even to go through it. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Do you hear David? I could hear pain in his voice. Could you? I could. I, I actually didn't get his name because I came in. David. I just hopped back into the van. Well, and if you want to hear the rest of it, pick it up on the podcast later on. But anyway, go I ahead. Will, of course. I, I got the gist of it anyway. The, the reason I rang, look, I, I'm a plumber and I've, I've arthritis from my neck down. Literally every joint. Go away. And I tried all the medicines that the doctor would give you and they, they actually had an adverse effect on my health. And didn't make it worse. Prescription and medication. Pardon? All prescription medication you're referring to. All prescription to. medication, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I threw it out the window. Salpidol and, and all that stuff. Yes. Tramadol, tram, trip, uh, tryptomyelin, okay. salpidol. Yeah, crazy. I, I threw it out the window and I started the herbal route. I was on um, apple cider vinegar, turmeric, ginger, which helped. And two months ago, so you can imagine I was a plumber, I need to be able to move. Two months ago, a friend of mine suggested, look, why don't you try Udo's choice? My mother-in-law did it, and she said, he said, six weeks later, she threw the walking stick away, and she's perfect. I spoke to Udo's himself on the air years back. It's Udo's oil, isn't it? Udo's oil. It comes, is, you can yeah, get in a, it's a bottle of it. It's a bottle, but you can also get it in capsule form. And that's what I got. I got it in capsule form. And I, have, I actually came home and got the, the little container of it. And there are three different strengths in it. The 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 weakest one is seventeen billion uh, mic- microbiotics that you you take one a day. And the next one up is forty two billion, and I think the, the strongest one is seventy five billion. Right. What di- and what difference did it make to your arthritic pain? Um. Total total change. Wow. I was taking it for about five weeks and I didn't notice anything different. I'm still taking the apple cider vinegar, but I inquired, could I take, stay on that? And it's no problem. Uh, five weeks down the road, uh, one Sunday morning, I hopped out of bed like a two-year-old, whereas I'd be crawling out Get of bed. Get away. You can't argue with that. That's evidence of no. it wherever needed. Exactly. And I'm still pain-free. And I can work away normally now, come home, no pain, no, nothing. But maybe arthritic pain is different to lumbar pain, back pain, it spine pain. could be, but I, I have arthritis in my lower back as well. Now, I'm not saying it'll work for, for David, but it's something he could try, and it's totally natural. 
the the thinking behind it is the no side effects. The thinking behind it is that it it makes your gut healthy as good as it can get, mm. and your body health follows from that. Mm. Now I was skeptical of it to be honest with you. You're but used to what? I was very skeptical of it at the start. But with pain, you try anything, wouldn't you? Oh, I tell you. Um, I mean, not being able to get a night's sleep, which I wasn't able to, and waking at two or three o'clock in the morning and sitting in the city in the kitchen. And, and all that's room. gone. All that is gone now. That's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Fellas, says here, don't talk to me about tramadol. He says I took tramadol once, and I can't remember driving from Cork to Clonakilty. <sighs> I, I took it. I took it once, Neil, and I walked uh, about an hour before I went to bed, as the doctor prescribed. I walked into the sitting room door. I was high as kite. I walked into the bedroom wall on the way down. I fell into bed, lights out, and woke about two and a half hours later with chronic cramps in my stomach. And I was up. I was awake from half past two in the morning until I went out to work. I actually didn't go out to work the following day. I didn't feel safe to drive the van. My head wasn't clear. But now you're working and driving and in and out, oh, and as a plumber, you're uh, getting into all sorts of different places. No bother. Exactly, and I have to be able to contort myself into awkward spaces. You to get contort out, you yourself know? in awkward spaces. Well said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well said. Okay. okay, no problem. So hopefully, if it's any help, I hope David gets tries it and gets some relief because the man sounded as if he's having a terrible time. Awful time, but yeah, um, yeah. Pain yeah. in his voice. Yeah, Udo's. Yeah. Choice. Udo's choice and capsule form I'm using. You can get it in the oil, but the the pharmacist in Onacora Pharmacy recommended the capsules to me. You keep them in the fridge and she said they're actually better. Because you're getting a constant regular dose. It's amazing that you trace everything back to the gut because they say that all inflammation and all issues yeah. involving health are traced back to it's exactly. all to do with inflammation of body parts that could be traced yeah. back to the gut. Yeah, gut health is, is really, really important. Good man yourself. U-D-O-S. Udo's choice. Thanks, Michael. Udo's choice, yeah. All the best, no problem, pal. Take Thank care. you for taking the call. Thanks Cheers now. Uh, can't talk on air now, but the man who was on saying about Dublin people coming out of West Cork is spot on. Another one. I live in Ross Carberry. It's a disgrace the number of visitors around here. There are loads of people from Dublin and even English car regs too. I cannot find any info on gyms opening up or physically returning to college. Perhaps you might have some information and updates on that. Uh, I'll come back to that tomorrow. A part, big part of Christmas breakout was 100% due to the behaviour of some pubs. A pub in Cork broke every possible rule or code of conduct when it opened last summer and Julie had huge COVID numbers at Christmas again. It's wrong for you or Adrian Cummins to say the pubs will adhere to any rules imposed when they clearly all haven't. The restaurants, on the other hand, have been very compliant and should be supported. In all fairness now, the um, gastropubs really did everything and more than were asked to do when it came to bookings, um, times that people would stay, um, distancing between tables. They really did. You're always going to get rogues. And I remember last year and I heard all about it and the lock-ins and the people doing the pub tours and everything like that, going from one for the starter and one for the main course. Um, but you can't control the way the punters behave. You can only do the very best you can as a business. How can they say so many restaurants are going to close? My God, hardly anyone is cooking at home anymore. The takeaway meals are flying it. How in God's name can a small country be expected to pay out so much? Uh, so many grants and support. Some people are getting money who absolutely shouldn't be. One final one. I would say holiday homes definitely are not going to open on the 12th. They were very clear. You can travel in your county for exercise and recreation, not to your holiday home. If they even meant that holiday parks were to open, they would have said that too. Yeah, you're right. That's it. You're spot on. No to holiday parks and 
no to uh, holiday homes. They say exercise and recreation and the guards across the long weekend will be keeping a close eye on that, they're saying. So we'll leave it at that. I think that the amount of money that's been paid out of COVID is something in the region of it's north of 800 million and probably at some stage will pass 800 billion, I should say, and uh, sorry, million, and will at some stage continue to pass with regards to many different forms of payout. What I might do actually is maybe sit down and try and put together, cobble together all of the different payments and all of the COVID related payments that will have to be paid back by somebody somewhere down the track. Uh, for now, though, back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850-104-106. Red FM. Yeah, I got that figure. The actual total spend then when you look for the entire year, going back to, say, March of 2020 up to the end of March 2021, the state total for COVID payments, and I'm combining all of them, all of the different COVID-related welfare supports that are available, and that's was spent by the state. It now totals $11.5 billion. So that's the full total. You can break it down into different categories then, 900 million there and so on and so forth. But the absolute total is 11.5 billion in COVID-19 welfare supports. As the texter was saying that some people are getting money who absolutely shouldn't be. Uh, and you can work out how much of the 11.5 billion went to those that don't deserve it. And then others who deserved it more, not getting half enough. And then the moaning and groaning with, so 11.5 billion, the moaning and groaning with regards to teachers would just stop. Teachers have moaned and groaned since the beginning of time, certainly since the beginning of the pandemic. Every single decision they had a problem with. The poor teachers that were earning a full wage when they were off doing an hour a day on Zoom. Misfortunes. People that took a financial hit and had to stay at home and work for 12 months on 350 euro should be more of a priority than teachers so that the people on 350 can get to work willingly and get back to work fast. It galls me when I hear of teachers moaning. I'm a taxi driver. I have no idea who's coming into my taxi. My business is down 80%. The bank is chasing me. And I hear the teachers moaning. I'm at breaking point. Uh, I went back to school in September, knowingly pregnant with my un- knowingly pregnant with my unborn baby. I put both our lives at risk for the good of my class that I dearly love. With almost 30 in my class that are on top of each other, Uh, coming from 30 different families, I was so worried and concerned. I had to go down close at at times to individual students with special needs. I had children telling me of play dates that they went to on the weekends in other houses. The new variant is highly transmissible with children of all ages. I feel it is a complete kick in the teeth to teachers and and SNAs who have given everything to ensure the opening of schools. We are frontline, and thanks to high heaven from our government until recently, but now we've been thrown to the wolves, says Amy. There's many more like that. I'm out of time for now. Our lines will stay open at 1-850-104-106. We'll pick up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.